じゃあ叩き切られても文句はねえな何だと切るのだから切ってくれ切られりゃ痛えぞ刃物は怖くてヤクザ捕まらねえ<笑>まったくバカにつける薬はねえな何<笑>
And uh, my first movie I watched of his was one titled Rashomon, which is a fantastic film that we'll cover at some point. But uh, this as I've been working my way through the Kurosawa library. This just became like my favorite film of his. It's it's got a ton of Western influence. It's you know, the cinematic archaeology runs deep throughout this film. It's been influenced by a ton of stuff. And it it also influenced uh, a ton of other stuff and was essentially copied shot for shot and with the story in uh, a movie that we're going to cover uh, in uh, a little while, uh, Fistful of Dollars, which there was a huge lawsuit over. But we'll talk about that more when we talk about Fistful of Dollars. Uh, and yeah, this is I just I love Toshiro Mifune. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. I think he's brilliant. Uh, all the characters that he portrays are just so cool. And or when he's the bad guy, he's really he's a real dickhead. But like when he's the good guy, when he's the hero, it's like you're, you're cheering for him. And um, all the characters he portrays are are different. Um, this is I I would say this is probably my number six all time favorite film on like if I had to break down a top 10. Uh, wow. This is really high up there for me. This is why I chose it first. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I chose the film. And when it, you guys said that you, uh, you had never seen, you had never, uh, seen the film before. I was, I was super excited. I had, you guys like heard of Kurosawa or Toshiro yeah. Mifune at all? Like, yeah, I mean, you, had he been like, had you heard the name at least? Yeah. Uh, me, I was oblivious. I went into it completely blind. Completely blind. Oh, John, that's, uh, I, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. It definitely opened up a, a new, you know, I, I can say that I don't think I ever would have sat down and picked this out myself to watch it. Right. And so it's yeah. like it's really cool. It's a kind of um, proof is in the pudding and the concept for the podcast. Right. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's exactly what we talk about setting out to do. And so it's I'm real interested in it because uh, this definitely has broadened my horizon as far as what uh, I would start to seek to watch. Hell yeah. Same here. Yeah, I- yeah, Heidelberg, you you said you you've heard of Kurosawa before. Yeah, I have, and I know of the Seven Samurai, and I know the legend of that. And, uh, yeah, what influence and what that was influenced by. And, I mean, a lot of the directors that I love, uh, like Tarantino and stuff, were influenced by Kurosawa. Oh yeah, like all the, like they love like those samurai films, and this is this to me is like one of the the coolest samurai films. But it's not really it's a samurai film without it being like a traditional. Uh, samurai film like you know seven samurai is kind of that the 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 classic samurai epic this is more of like something completely different mm-hmm. and um uh yeah so uh let's uh yeah Kur- uh, kurosawa like you know he's uh kind of like the really famous japanese director like when you think of japanese film most people are gonna like oh yeah that kurosawa guy i know him from somewhere um but he is just amazing he's done 30 he did 30 films in his career oh damn uh, yeah like i would say like probably his most like really famous ones were like rashomon seven samurai this film uh kagimusha ron um i would say like well, oh um like high and low is another one that's like that will which is a pretty good film but like uh this this film in particular was the most successful film in uh in japan like it was his most financially successful film and this is the one that launched both uh mifune and kurosawa were popular this film just took him to a whole nother level and and i'll talk about i could see see why for sure yeah 
and I'll tell you like how big it made um, uh, Mifune uh, by himself as an actor. Like there was actually some roles that he was offered that he ended up turning down because he was kind of nervous about his, uh, uh, his English. And so he didn't take those roles, but had he taken those roles, it would have changed cinematic history. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, the, uh, you know, Mifune, uh, uh, just a huge superstar uh, when it comes to film. He's, I think, not only just one of the greatest Japanese actors, I think he's one of the greatest actors of all time. He's really amazing. And the, the first thing, thing I've ever seen him in, but I was impressed. Yeah, yeah same here. Or that I'm aware of. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about him. He didn't want to be an actor. He wanted to be behind the camera. He wanted to be a cinematographer. Hmm. And uh, it was through uh, there was a uh, famous uh, re- uh, kind of uh, actors rebellion in Toho back in like the late 40s. And they they lost a lot of their big actors. And so they had to do they had to do a scouting challenge. And somebody put Toshiro Mifune kind of in in that uh that actor's audition and Kurosawa just happened to be there. And he's like, we need this guy. And, you know, that's uh, kind of, you know, the the legend was born. And Mm -hmm. these two guys, Mifune and Kurosawa ended up doing 16 films together. It's one of the great actor director combos. And uh, it started with, I would say it's, it it technically started with uh, Mifune's first film, which was I'm drawing a blank on the name of that, but, uh, Drunken Ma- uh, Drunken Angel is from 48 is their first official foray together. And their last film that they did was Redbeard in 1965. And there was some sort of falling out between the two. No one really knows what happened. Um, I don't know if it was something that happened during like they were drinking a lot and they probably said something or, you know, because of them both reaching certain levels of stardom. And it just maybe caused some sort of rip. Nobody really knows. And their careers were never the same after they left each other. You know, Kurosawa did have a few good projects after 1965, but it he struggled. Um, and Mifune really, he, he didn't take those roles in America that he should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have a few, um, he was still successful. He ran, he ran his own production company. Uh, he did have a few like... I think they're good films like Red Sun, which is a spaghetti Western with Charles Bronson and Alain Delon, uh, who's a famous French actor. But yeah, they never they just never quite uh, had the same success afterwards. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't we uh, dive into the film? Like, wh- Why don't we get into it? Uh, we'll, we'll give this uh, I'll read out the synopsis and we'll we'll dive into this bitch. I just realized, too, I think the past two episodes, I don't think we've been like given a spoiler warning. For any of these uh, films, I mean, oh, well, it's not uh, you know, saying, right? But spoiler, still. you know, we're going to be talking I'll slip about it in here. Yeah, spoiler. Yeah, uh, uh, your Jumbo from 1961. We're gonna we're gonna be breaking it down. We're gonna be talking about it. The the uh, the scenes that we liked, the characters we liked, and uh, if you've never seen it, uh, you, you can either go on right now. You can go on HBO or you can go on the Criterion subscript uh, subscription or streaming service and watch your Jimbo. Uh, trust me, you're not going to regret it. Pause us, watch the movie, come back and join us. Yeah. All right. So our synopsis here is a crafty Ronin comes to, ta- to a town divided by two criminal gangs and decides to play them against each other to free the town. Hell yeah. Epic. Oh, I, I did want to say like one, uh, now that we've, 
sent the spoiler warning. I wanted to give a, a quick uh, quote from Kurosawa and like how why he did this movie. Uh, so I, I'm going to read this real quick. And this is from my, because uh, I own the, uh, the the Criterion collection. So uh, for people who, uh, this is an audio. So I'm I'm holding up the Criterion collection of Yojimbo. I got the Yojimbo. Yeah, and he's got like this like la-di-da sort of like look in his eyes. Guys. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like, I like I'm better, me, I'm better than you. I'm better than the book. Criterion collection. <laughs> I, I will mm. keep it a buck. I had never, I don't even know what the fuck Criterion was until, until I yeah. got with you guys. Yeah. Uh, Criterion has been a huge resource for me recently. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great. Yeah, makes sense. And their movies are they're, they're thorough. They do a lot of work. They put together a nice uh, product. Is it like a re- like a restoration kind of thing? Yeah. Like so it's a little bit restoration and kind of um, they they want. It's kind of like what we do. Preservation. Do like they want to um, expand cinematic horizons. They you know it's talking about you know famous directors, people who didn't quite get the spot. You know they're not. These films were necessarily weren't six. They weren't always successful, but they're good movies. And right. you know they they have all sorts of stuff. They have all sorts of foreign language stuff. They have, yeah, they have horror, yeah, horror horror movies. Like I mean, they did uh, a Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I have it. Uh, thing. They have the, all the Cronenberg stuff. They have a I lot of Cronenberg too. Stuff. I got. Oh shit! Yeah. So it's not it's not just one genre. It's not just foreign films. It's everything. Like people who like, this film deserves respect and we're gonna we're gonna honor it and we're gonna say like what the troubles were we're gonna break down the characters we're gonna have all sorts of fun stuff that we're gonna talk about just because yeah, these people so. love film and they're pr- trying to preserve it's just so awesome when fucking people get together and just fucking nerd the fuck out like that about yeah. whatever it is that they like you know what i mean yeah like dude that's i, I love hearing shit like that yeah, because that, that's and that's what I do. Like, I don't I mean, that's what they are. They're film nerds like the, yeah, the entire right. company's all about just like, but yeah, I don't I don't come to films to necessarily shit on them. Like even like the bad films, like I, I try to find something. It's like, what, what was I entertained? Well, yeah, of course right, I was. Right. right, it's, right. It, no, it's not a good film, but I, did, did I enjoy myself? Absolutely. <laughs> so we get we get into uh, just to get into the beginning. Like, I didn't know this was a Toho production. Yeah, they are the studio behind Godzilla, correct? That is correct. Yes, yeah, okay. which is the shirt I'm wearing right now. Yeah. So, so I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm impressed. Like that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. Which yeah. was obviously before this, right? 1950, so they had already made. 1954 it. was a seminal year in Toho's yeah. history with both Godzilla and Seven Samurai, which to that time were the yeah, most expensive films they had created. Yeah. They uh, they actually were. If those films weren't successful, they would have gone out of business. Yeah, kind of sure. crazy that like their two biggest films ever or inception first forays out into like getting a film made right that's dope yeah, yeah that's crazy but uh oh, so kurosawa on yojimbo uh th- these these are kurosawa's words for a long time i'd wanted to make a really interesting film it finally turned into this picture the story is so ideally interesting that it's surprising no it's surprising no one else ever thought of it the idea is about rivalry on both sides and both sides are equally bad we all know what that's like here we are, weakly caught in the middle, and it's impossible to choose between evils. Myself, I've always wanted to somehow or other stop these senseless battles of bad against bad, but we're all more or less weak. I've never been able to. And that is why the hero of this picture is different from us. He is able to stand squarely in the middle to stop the fight. And it is this, him, that I thought of first. That was the beginning of the film in my mind. That's awesome. It's how he kind of steps in. Is what yeah. makes the film interesting to me. 
It's he's I, not he just doesn't come in and just start pushing dudes around and, and pushing his weight around. He does a little bit only when he's threatened. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of push and pull in this movie where he's walking around and he's constantly being surveillanced or sur- like someone's on his tail or someone's behind him or like dudes are like crowding up on him. And it gets more and more as the film progresses because he is an outsider to the town. Right. Yeah. And I just really dig the way that we, we get like our introduction to him with the music right off the bat. Like the music's fucking great in this film. Well, and even that like uh family, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Right? No, good. Uh, like his whole intro through that field and like that, that dad that's arguing with his kid, you know, yeah. and it's like, Oh, what the, are you the like, soap merchant? Yeah, dude, that I, I really like that concept. And it's just like him, him kind of like passing by. Right. And it's like, Oh, yep. Kind of like his like, uh, you know, radars going off like, Oh yeah, there's some, something's going on around here. And then he yeah, kind of grabs a drink of water. Right. Right. But, um, when he does stuff like that, he's doing that. He's listening to what's yeah. going on. Oh, what am I going to get myself into here? And that uh, that argument between that, like that son who he's kind of like the, um, uh, you know, the, the prodigal son that leaves that family. He's like Cologido, you know, and he's leaving the family. Yeah. And he wants to say, oh, I'm going to go work for this gangster. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, it's bad. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, but that comes back at the end because the right. one person that Sandro does not kill is that kid. Right. And it's like, it's kind of reminded me of Kill Bill. It's like, don't fuck around with the Yakuza. Like where she sp- smacks the shit out of that kid who's like, like clearly scared shitless. <laughs> That's not the oh. same kid. No, it is. That's no, what I thought. That, the, gunman, the gunman shot that kid. No, 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 no. Because he, yeah, he does. No, he, because that kid joined the side uh that he was on um Unosuke's side the 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 gunman he was I he know was, he was but then when after the gunman kills his mother we're skipping way for but after the no after, no 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 no, 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 no. kills his mother and then no no name? I'm not talking I'm not talking about that kid I'm talking about the kid that from the uh, very beginning oh the okay it's a different kid my bad yeah you're right this, at the, it's a different like, kid they all look the same they have the same like haircut yeah yeah same haircut. I, I forgot they were separate kids that's right well, yeah, and he tells him to, he feeds him the same line, right? He's like, "Go live a boring life," or whatever. It's like, like whatever he was arguing about with his dad. Like, I think that's kind of like supposed to be our way because it is obviously at the at the complete opposite side of the film. And so he like feeds him the line that you that his dad gives him in the very beginning, right? Like, "Go live a boring life eating porridge." Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. yeah. Um, I do love like that opening shot too, and what you said in the brush when like right yeah. before. Uh, Sanjuro uh, gets to the that that house like we just get that moment where he stops and looks around and there's like these like thin bamboo shoots or whatever they're like the brush and I was just like well looking at that shot and it was like really early on and I was just like man this film's I can already tell like this this is a beautiful film yeah just from that shot and then yeah. I like the commentary too of the old the old man like complaining to his son about like gambling and like yeah. how it ruined the trade and like weakened men as well as like the economy and it can make a man like lazier knowing that like he can double or triple his wages by with the game of chance rather than putting in the work, you know? And it's just interesting to see that even back then, like that was a relevant thing just as it is now still. So just a yeah, uh, little bit of commentary. As we do more of these Japanese films that I'll introduce you guys to, I'll sh- uh, we'll see the type of games that they would play this part, you know, cause it's not like they're not playing poker or like blackjack or anything like that, but it's kind of like, uh, it's a dice game that they play. Um, and yeah, we'll see that in like stuff like, you know, uh, uh, Zatoichi, 
uh, Lady Snowblood, stuff like that, because those do play a prominent role. And you'll see the type of games that they were playing that, you know, yeah, you could buy like a simple roll of the dice, make a shit ton of money. Yeah, I like, man, the introduction just to like when he walks into the actual town and you just get that shot of the dog walking out. (laughs) With the seven like minutes awesome now, and I was like, "It's first of all, it's a cute fucking dog." Um, but it was just like it was it was a cool nod to see like this is what he's walking into, like mm. some fucking shit going on past these gates. This dog's walking out with severed hands, so like something's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to know how they got that dog? Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, they were trying to uh, well to get that shot. They were trying. They wanted to introduce this town like this they wanted something different like where it's like we need to have something that shows that this is a fucked up town to to walk into because it's set like a western you know what i mean the way you're walking into town but there's like how how do we do that we don't and like he because there's like you know there's been a lot of like where it's like it's they didn't want something so obvious right so the i uh it was i think this was kurosawa's idea where it's like you know why don't we have a dog carrying like a severed hand that that will show and that's what ended up becoming the um the shot so they had to they had to find somebody that could crap that hand uh, and actually it was the same guy to capture all like the severed there's a severed arm that we see like you know a uh, little bit later on in the film and the uh this guy is a master craftsman because that the hand was done with great detail it looked good uh, and, and even like when when he they presented it to uh, Kurosawa, I was like, get that shit away from me. It looks too real. And because he, he was very uh, squeamish when it came to like a lot of because um, he had in his past, he had been shown like a lot of like dead bodies and body parts. So he's kind of squeamish towards that stuff. And mm-hmm. it looks so real. He's like, get that shit away from me. <laughs> oh, wow. um, but the dog, uh, they were trying to find a dog that uh, that could be in this film. And the cinematographer, he um, noticed this, uh, this one girl that w- uh, one day with her dog and the dog was carrying like whatever like bag of something that she had bought, like from the grocery store. It's like, oh, so he followed this person home, which is kind of you know, it's kind of creepy if you think about it. He followed her home and asked her like, hey, can we use your dog? And it took a little bit of convincing, but they they they're like, yeah, OK. And so for like the next like month or two, he would spend time with this dog so that the dog would get used to him. And so then, yeah, he became a, a part of that dog that he had became a part of the film. That's how they found the dog. Yeah, what a pickup hand. line, dude. Hey, can I uh, use your dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. want to be in my movie. <laughs> but um, that that scene cute. is also really tough. The as far as like how they were shooting it, because everything's in focus, right? Because you have the dog coming from uh, like uh, from far away, coming to towards you. Getting that shot at that time was actually very difficult to keep the camera in focus because it's it's not nowadays. It's much easier because you have all these autofocus lenses. Everything's digital. They had to like work it uh, through like manipulating the lenses and stuff. I mean, the, this guy was working his ass off trying to just keep everything in detail. The hands in detail. The dog's in detail. It's not like fuzzy or anything like that. Everything is in focus from the end of, from the end of the frame to you know coming towards you, which is insane. No, oh, yeah, it's really good. It, like it sets the tone of and like the setting really well. What it's what's happening, and then when we when he gets in and he's walking into town, like like I said, it was like very much like a western. Yeah, and then he gets surrounded, right? And you see that that one fucking guy is like huge. He's got like a huge fucking mallet. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. He's kind of like, uh, he reminds me of uh, Richard Keel's character, Jaws, and like, uh, in the. Yeah, James I have that Bond in my films. notes later. Yeah. Like, yeah, he brawls with them. Because he's so. Uh, that's why he really looks just like him. Yeah, he's like the Japanese Jaws. Yeah. There's also one of the uh, one of the gangsters that gets killed, the the one that has the uh, tattoo on his head that like his yeah. head would be on a pike. That's the guy who did all the uh, the the prosthetics that are used, like the severed hand uh, and the severed. Yeah, because uh, in that scene, that's when that's um, that's when they approach him, right? And he cuts that one dude's arm off. Yeah, no, that's a little later. That's a little later because yeah, yeah. he kind of like that's right. Uh, so he enters into the town. The uh, the corrupt uh, police officer, the constable, is like, hey. You know, if you want to make a lot, you're a wandering, he's a wandering samurai. He has no um, allegiance. So it's like, if you want to make some money, uh, you know, there's th- there, he kind of gives the idea that, hey, there's these two rival gangsters. There's, you know, Sebe, uh, who is the uh, uh, the brothel owner. And then there's uh, Ushitora, who is, uh, you know, over over there. And it's like an all around gangster, that dude. Yeah. yeah. So I, oh, actually, I think this is a good time, like now that we are introducing the characters. So mainly there are there's two factions that are that are in this town. There's three dozen uh, characters in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in this film. They right? are, but they're all very I, distinct. So I do enjoy that about the film. Yeah. If if you're new to like this type of film, like I could see where it'd be a little bit difficult to kind of keep track of those characters. Uh, so essentially you have you have a town that has two mayors. Uh, uh, Tazemon, he's the he's the actual mayor. He's the old mayor, uh, and he's also a uh, he owns like the silk company. That is who the underboss uh, Sebe, who owns the brothels. That and then you have uh, Sebe's wife is uh, Orin, and they have their son Yoichiro, and like their head, like at the time, their head uh, swordsman is Honma, uh, and then on the other side you have uh, Tokuman. Who he's like the new mayor. He he owns the uh, the the sake brewery, and then uh, you have the 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 boss that that works for him is Ushitora, and he uh, he's like the new. He's a former Sebe lieutenant who didn't get the inheritance that he was he was hoping to have. Uh, and then he has two brothers, Unosuke, uh, who's the uh, who we'll meet later. He's the gun uh, the gun toting samurai. Which one's the one with the uni, bro? Rob, that would be Inok, uh, Inokichi, and he's kind of like the strong but dumb-witted, dumb-witted one. And as yeah. soon as we see this guy, I knew that Heidelberg was gonna love him because of his fucking unibrow. <laughs> he, he's 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 the way he's written in IMDb is rotund brother. Rotund. Brother. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Chitora's solid character. Rotund brother. I like uh I like how they when it's later on, but uh, when he's fucking carrying him out, and he's like, it's the only guy around. And he's like, oh, fuck it. Just he's an idiot. Just fucking tell him to help you, dude. And he yeah. hits him and he's dude. like, just how he flips him and is just like, oh, yeah, you'd be scared anyways. Don't worry about it, bro. And he's like, oh, I'm afraid of nothing. And then <laughs> fucking helps carry him out of there. Like, that shit was <laughs> yeah, for like a minute, he carries, yeah. he carries the guy who's looking for it. Sanjuro's yeah. basket. Yeah, that was. And then in kind of the middle who are like, they're they're kind of profiting off of the these two factions there's Hanske, who's the constable he plays both sides because he's a weird kind of cowardly uh you know corrupt official and then we don't have his name but there's the coffin maker he and he obviously he profits from the fighting and ultimately he ends up becoming like a protagonist like he helps out um the uh the tavern owner 
and Sanjiro, uh, the the tavern owner uh, is named Gonji. He's kind of on the outside. He's the one that's like kind of keeping up. He's probably been in that town his whole life. Yeah. And he's seeing how it's fallen apart and he's just trying to work his restaurant. And but he's also kind of the exposition dump for like he's giving uh Sandro and us, the audience, kind of the yeah, but it works. It's not. Re- I wouldn't really even call it a dumb because, like, he because he he's kind enough to let Sandro in, and he doesn't mind giving the samurai some food on the house as long as he leaves town immediately. Because yeah. he's like, I've seen enough death here, yeah, fighting, and there's nothing you can find here. Um, but I feel like the moments that he spends with uh, the samurai are like interesting to me, and they have these these little moments of like service where he he feeds them. He make every time so. The samurai is always eating in yeah. like, a lot of the scenes. Like wherever he goes, places either killing people, chilling in the cut, or eating something. Or drinking sake. Yeah. Which he does <laughs> m- most of the time at the same place. Exactly. Because that's how that's how he thinks. He drinks that's sake. That's kind of where he goes to rest. He does he goes out in the town, he does something, he mixes some things up, and he comes back to the tavern owner. And that guy's sort of the only dude who's sort of in on the ground floor of like what's going on really yeah. in the town early and- on. And the way that like the uh, Gonji's place is uh, where it's settled in the town, you know, it's like Sandro stirs shit up and then they watch what's going on because he has a view of the entire town, like from that little like tavern. Uh, he's just dope like, too, the way the woodwork is, the way he like, yeah. and when they these like, little the blinds he pulls up shit. half the wall. Yeah. Slide yeah. shit about. Yeah. I had to say, crack. yeah. So this, this set is amazing. The, the, this town that they set up. So this is set up on the Toho studios. And all these buildings are practical. You know, all, everything that we see, I mean, they are set up like so you can have like cameras and stuff in there too. Uh, but these buildings are all built uh, fairly cheaply and it, everything is uh, um, detailed immaculately. Like even though, even though we might not like go into that building, uh, Curse, I was like, no, 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 we're, we're going to, these details are not right. That's not how it would look. And it, even like the like in, they would the way they would do like some of like the wood carvings and stuff like that. It's like mm-hmm. he was so meticulous about that. It's a, it's kind of like a, we've heard of method acting. I I feel like this is method directing where it's like we have to feel like we're in the town that like this this uh, at this like time frame. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, take yeah. somebody like Robert Eggers. That's that's how he's that's how he builds it. Yeah. That, that's actually a good point. Yeah, he's he's kind of gone to the Kurosawa school in that in that sense. Christopher Nolan, uh, same way. Yeah, the uh, and uh, there was a point like when uh, the they finished building everything and they kind of did the ground like the 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 roads and stuff like that. And Kurosawa saw it's like it's too smooth. You guys, it's it should like if this was a town back in like I think it takes place in like 1860, I believe. And it's like no, it's too smooth. Like the 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 way that the rain would fall off of the buildings, it would cause like little divots in uh, uh, crevices in the dirt road. And so he forced them for three straight days to have like these giant fire hoses that were going over the entire uh, town that so to have it fall like so it, like to pretend like it's raining. Right. So it'd be like a natural adaptation of what he was. In. Yeah. So like that rain scene was they did. They used fire hoses to create that. Like it, that it looked in. Uh, the one thing that Kurosawa always does, his nature, like the way that he presents heat, uh, cold, w- uh, rain, wind, like they, uh, that's that's his specialty. As far as like effects and foley work and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's so that's how meticulous that this town was created in. So the uh, 
I'm sorry. I, just, I, I have to talk about the uni, bro, bro. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. It's offensively hairy. <laughs> and like, oh boy, what's his, uh, Inokichi? What's his name? Yeah. Uh, Inokichi, yeah. Inokichi, he's a doofus, man. He's just like, yeah. fuck. He's got straight doofus vibes, bro. He's like, ugh. He looks inbred at best. Yeah. At least that's true. Yeah. And the restaurant owner calls him a, or the tavern owner calls him a halfwit, but yeah. obviously not to his face because you could still get killed by this guy. Yeah. He's strong, but stupid. Well, he's, he's just, you know, he runs with a powerful group. So he's, was he's that got- a natural unibrow, you think? Or, ah, it looks like, uh, so no, I, because I know this, I know this actor. He does not have a real unit. This is a one that I think it looked great, though. It looked good. It looked great. I, I thought I don't was- fault it for being a full, you know, a fake. Unibrow. That's not what I'm after. I'm just after cinematic unibrows. And I appreciate this one. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you would. As soon as like I was like, when I chose this film, I was like, oh, he's gonna love, he's gonna love Inokichi. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I just like that the samurai, he, like he's got this idea early on after just like you said, he's very like observant, you know, he kind of plays in the cut and just observes things. He doesn't get too involved, but he doesn't let people push him around either. And then like early on. We see he's got like the idea to how to clean up the town and like the it's like a suicide. It's like basically suicide in the restaurant owner's eyes. Like that dude's just like, dude, get out of here. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I just like how the samurai, like when he finally does walk out of the store, he's just like got all this fucking swag. He's just got swag all the time. Like, oh, for dude's, sure. dude's always got his arms like tucked in his shirt. Yeah. Around like a fucking boss, bro. Like, was that a custom that they all because I noticed it seemed like the other guy. Well, the gunman does it too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There must be a thing just with there. So I I was talking about this a little bit earlier today. It's like, I think I think of it as more because you see this a lot in like these type of films. I kind of see it as like, like sticking your hands in your pockets. Like, it's kind of comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I also, like I said, I, I, I feel like it's like baiting your like an opponent like yo look at me i got my hands in my pockets you know what i mean like but you know what i'm quicker than you are like like a like you know like the wild west almost it's like just blatant so like you don't you don't realize how fast i can grab my fucking swords and slice and dice you like so i think it's pretty cool the way they do that especially uh the samurai sendero did you uh so i uh i sorry john i didn't tell you this but i i told heidelberg this uh, did you notice how, like, when you look at Sanjiro and then later on uh, Unosuke, did you notice how they move? Because there's something very specific that both characters do. I, don't, I didn't pick up on what you were trying to. So, uh, so usually Kurosawa is very specific on like what he wants. Like he's very like, no, I need you to do this, 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 and this. That's how it's going to be done. Sure. But when it came to guys like Toshiro Mifune and the guy who plays Unosuke, Tatsuya Nakadai, he trusted those actors. And so the, the only direction that he gave Mifune and Nakadai was, think of uh, Sanjiro as like a mangy dog that has fleas. And so you'll always see him kind of like when he's like walking around, he'll like shake his shoulder. Like he, like he has fleas on him. Whereas Unosuke... Um, you know, he has like kind of like the silk kimono on with like the little scarf. He's and he, he slithers like a snake. That was that was his direction. And so like when he pulls out that gun, sometimes it's almost like a like a cobra striking. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, so, sure. yeah. So I don't know if you guys caught on to that, but it's just like uh, that's the how those are. That was the only direction that he gave those two. And he let them kind of just work with the script the way it was. And he trusted them. No, I, li- I like that they're both those characters are very distinct. And um, uh, the gunman, he reminded me of like a Metal Gear kind of character. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> and then, uh-huh. uh, yeah, no, there was like, and there's like a strut that uh, Sanjuro does when he's kind of walking around. He's like, his shoulders are moving a little bit. And I just dig it. I dig. Also, I got to say, I had this in my notes for later, but there's a, at least two scenes where my boy, the gunman, um, uh, Sanusuke. Uh, Unosuke. Unosuke. Yeah. Unosuke. He freaking new Naruto runs out of the fucking room. Yes, <laughs> he does. <laughs> and then he runs. Yeah, he runs towards <laughs> Sanjuro in a scene too, where after he um after he summons him to the two a.m. uh what's it called the brothel owner to the two a.m. like yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because he tells him he says like make sure you're right. Yeah, yeah. But the way he runs, I notice he like puts his arms right. back and he fucking runs forward. Like, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, look at this. So that that's also something too. Uh, so these films did influence a lot of like anime. I can uh, see it. Yeah. yeah. So well, especially the the sequel to this film, Sanjiro. Uh, there is the ending fight scene. There is a uh, that you know. I think we should cover at some point. But essentially, like the the way that that fight scene turns out, there was a mistake in the props uh, in the prop like for the blood spurting. And so you know how like all like the blood spray happens like in like anime is like oh like you know like the guy like gets sliced by the sword and like right. seconds later just like blood just flies out of him. Yeah. Well, that is from the sequel to this film, Sanjiro. Uh, and so, like, a lot, but, like, a lot of these, uh, a lot of those animes, they take inspiration off of, like, a lot of Kurosawa work. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Uh, but, yeah. So, I, did, did you guys also notice, so, when Sanjiro here, like, in the very beginning, when he's, like, strutting around outside of the uh, tavern owner's place, he's got, uh, he's when he's talking to all the guys, this is where that fight happens, actually. Uh, where he kind of like riles up the local toughs around town, mm-hmm. kind of just kind of he kind of kicks the dirt around to see like who's who, who's what, totally. you know what's yeah. going on, who's the badass in well, town, who do I gotta take out first? And I dig it, and just like he wants to like kind of look around. But did you guys notice that I, I'm not positive, but it looks like he's carrying a matchstick in his mouth, much like our hero cop Marion Cobretti, aka Cobra. That's called cinematic archaeology, right there, right? Hell yeah. yeah. I- so initially, so the initial uh, initially we were going to be doing uh, um, uh, the Great Silence. It, like uh, we, we ended up doing Machete instead. But had we done the Great Silence, all three of our main characters chew on a match or like some oh, sort of shit. Thing. That would have been a nice little throughway, yeah. So I because I, I uh, in my notes like, I had for all that. It's like oh we have our matchstick men right here. <laughs> uh-huh. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. I noticed like I'm like is that a match? It's like it looked kind of like a match. It did yeah. And I was like, man, this is like harkening back to Cobra, bro. Hell yeah. I mean, he's just, uh, to be honest, like, Sandro is just as cool as Marion Cobretti in my eyes. Absolutely is. I, I, this is a cool character, man. Dog, he is dope I, as fuck. He comes yeah, I dig literally him. from the second he comes onto the screen and every fucking scene that he is involved in, even when he is down and out, beat the fuck up and can't do it. Like, the guy just oozes fucking man shit. Like he yeah, is, he does. It's like machismo just coming yeah, off this dude. Like he's a fucking barbarian. Plus, plus I kind of like that the the movies that we have chosen. So like this is our third one. You know, we have Cobra, we had Machete, we have uh, you know, Yojimbo and the with Sandro's character. These are all very different styles of action adventure films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're still and they're all cool and badass in their own way. Hell yeah! Like they're I all awesome. Them. And I dig, like we said, this guy just. First of all, he's a great actor. Like he's acting his ass off. Um, he's just got the style. He's got the I, I, like it, his cunning is what I like the most. When 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 we start getting all the intrigue that kicks in, where we're like, 
oh shit, he's playing these guys against this guy. He's he's making chess moves here and there. Right. Yeah. And it's not all about just strutting around and killing people with a sword. Exactly. He's like yeah. literally taking you down with little with his brain. Yeah, exactly. And I just dig that about him. Good. And I dig how he's like he's turning down payment in certain areas. Like, no, you could pay me later because he's he just wants to gain their trust while he turns the next guy against them. So it's like, and then he's well, taking something here and there yeah. on the side too. Yeah. So I think Maybe it was in advance. Him, like initially what he does is what's smart is that he does he um he's a great he goes to the weak he goes to the weaker guy's side and says like hey like you know uh you know you know you should hire me and it's like uh, i'll show you my strength then he goes over back to the uh to the strong side and fucks fucks him up like that first fight yeah. scene he yeah. fucks he them kills up. three dudes yeah. Oh, by like, the way, what do you guys think of the sword fighting? Like, did you did you find it? Did you believe it? I was it? impressed, actually. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed a, for the time. It seemed like it was pretty good. So in so. that that first scene that we're talking about, where he like severs that dude's arm and he's like crying, mm-hmm. like ah, that was badass. And there was like the sound effects are like the ting ching chong, yeah. you know, like with the 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 sword clinging. Um, it, it's not throughout the entire film though. I think the foley work sometimes with the swords could have been a little bit better. It's one of my dings on the film, but. Um, I do dig it though. Like there's moments where you can see, like, it looks like he's just tapping somebody on the back with the sword, you know, because yeah. it's a movie in there. Yeah. Probably That's what I was saying. Like for the prop. era, it seemed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A, but it's still cool and it's choreographed. Well, yeah, like, they use a series cool. of like long lenses for that. Just so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're not actually like, you know, hitting each other with those swords. Cause I think they were real swords, like, but it was just kind of like, but they, they look real. They did. They, yeah. It's so they're not, they're real swords, but they're like kind of, they use the long lens so that they don't have to hit them, but they make it look realistic. So it's yeah, all about the choreography, you know, similar to like our Kung Fu films and, and whatnot. But uh, it's it reminds me to, it's it's cool too, just the way the um, like the samurai when he slices and dices, it's sort of just like quick movements. So like, yeah, precise. <laughs> no, it's just very precise. Yeah, he's just like yeah. Moving so around like, so it's not you're not going to see a lot of like waving of the sword and crazy like. He's just going to be like, tap. and it just takes a tap of a really, you know, yeah. uh, fucking sharpened sword. Like the, one of these swords is going to cut through like, like skin, like butter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with Mufune too, like what was unique about him is because he actually did know how to u- utilize the sword techniques and stuff like that. But he would always, he, when he would use the sword, he couldn't help, but like he would hold his breath while he's doing these scenes. So like, yeah, the scene might be like, 10 20 seconds he's holding his breath the entire time so he's winded at the end of it so it's it it's kind of this like weird real like realistic fight oh, yeah. scene sure that makes sense um i found too like throughout the film you just see like how he's just a great like bargainer and sort of com- like he doesn't talk a lot but when he does he can engage oh, yeah. in conversation and i like when we see like the old man and his wife they're going to double cross him but the samurai he's he's overheard them Right. <laughs> and so he's up he's on it. And I just kind of like the way it played out. You know, he like the way he carries himself after that. He's sick. Oh, and like, because the, so all the prostitutes, the, you know, the, the geishas, they're like, yeah. they're listening in and they see him. And, he, and like when they're like talking shit and like you have like Sandro is like, and he sticks out his tongue at yeah. him. It's like, oh yeah, let's see. Just, yeah, it played out cool. And then he's like, <laughs> he's just eating sushi and pouring the nervous brothel owner like his sake. And he's just like, I don't know. It was pretty cool the way he just sort of plays the the, the oh, situation. Because yeah. I also his, think this is his favorite. One, what was also really smart that he did too, and I know he did this on purpose, is that he um 
he he made Sebe raise his price, like how he was gonna, you know, to hire him. Yeah. Because, and of course, like his top swordsman, who's be only being paid like you know, like three dollars as opposed to his like fifty or wh- whatever he was. I was gonna hear about that. He heard it and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna pay this, you know, this guy like right off the street, like you know, almost like a hundred times more than you're paying me. Are you insane?" And so he's like, "Well, fuck this guy. I'm at you know." And so he causes that his strongest swordsman to run away. Oh, right. And so it, that's another guy that he doesn't have to fight. It's right, just, probably it, would would have been his biggest adversary. One yeah. of them. And then after that, so he basically set up he set up like the first altercation and we get like a high noon situation with the gangs. Right. Yeah. And they show up, and that scene's fucking beautifully shot. And I love the way the samurai is watching from his perch. Yeah. He's like yeah. above them. And the music kicks in. He's just observing. Dun, dun, the music here is dun, amazing. Dun, 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 dun. It's so yeah. good. And it like fills the scene with this. Like it helps the scene with like this. It ratchets up like the tension yeah. through the music and the gangs almost come to blows. But that like they're they're so they're, ca- and they're cowardly, too. That's what I love about it. It's like oh, you have the guy. They know like, that. Oh, like, look, oh, the, oh, the thing oh. is that like these gangs are so powerful. I feel like if they do go to blows and that's it, like war's going to fucking break out. You know what I mean? Between these two. So it's like nobody, I think, wants to overstand, like, because they're going to have to tell their boss, like, oh, I started a war. Like, right. So they're all sort well, of like the, oh. the bosses were there, dude. Both bosses were there. Yeah, so but even were- the bosses, I feel, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then they're interrupted by what the uh, the inspectors coming. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. But uh, yeah. So th- this is also we we get this like awesome show of like wind. Right. And with the 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 wind that was how it was generated. There were there were several giant uh, airplane propeller fans, so that's why like the wind looks just like really intense. And if they they would have to get it to a certain speed, or because if they have it too fast, you can't see anything from all the dust being kicked up. But if yeah. you have it too slow, it doesn't look dramatic enough. Uh, so they had to have it at a certain speed and the Probably other a certain thing, angle too. Yeah, and the other thing that was like kind of like I, I, this is just crazy to me too is that Kurosawa would cut the uh, cut the take. If the actors close their eyes, they had to keep their eyes open. So like they're getting dust and shit, and all this shit in their eyes. But if they close their eyes, like, nope, we're doing it again. <laughs> Damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and throw shit in your eye. And if you close it, you got to fucking do it again. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you, that's insane. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, dude, this the, the main character, the, the samurai guy, you know, um, as I was watching it, I was like, dude, this guy fucking reminds me of something. And then I went back and did did some some Googling. Uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, the dude from uh, he's in the new John Wick, uh, the ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who I'm talking? yeah, dude, he, he, he was in the Wolverine. Yes, Wolverine. Yep. Yes, he's there. Yeah. Yeah. dude. What are you talking about? The way those guys move, it, it almost seems kind of like he uh, like Sanada was kind of modeling after that guy. Like, Hell yeah, he was. The, the way... Yo, the a way remake of this movie know. starring that actor, that would that'd be pretty dope, actually. That would be dope as fuck. Yeah, I'd be excited. down for that, actually. Like a Robert Eggers style, like, make everything from scratch, you know, like, authentic costuming and setting again, like, yeah, all that. Because even Rob, that guy, like, does his characters. It almost seems like, like, when I think, like, of all the characters I've seen him play, he's, he's almost exactly kind of like that samurai, where he's not a lot of talking... But, you know, but he's still emotion. Yeah, he's still emoting. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. With more facial features and, and his posture and his. Exactly. Um, yeah. His like body language. Definitely. Rob, you mentioned the wind. I also in this scene, I love the sound of the rain. 
in the sake bar. Yeah. It's like so fucking good to me. Like the scene just looks really good with the rain in the background. And then you hear it falling and it yep. just looks, it looks authentic rain. It doesn't even look like studio rain. I don't know. Yeah. If it was, no, but, yeah. But, that, that's, that is, uh, that is a Kurosawa, uh, touch. Like he hit yeah, you the said he's good with the elements. Yeah. When elements presented in his films feel so authentic, like you, you believe it. Um, and like, cause a lot of times, like, you know, you, you're, you're having to create it because it's not happening at the moment. Like, cause otherwise your film would take too long to film, but the way that he presents it, it's like, man, this is so, so well done. Yeah. Uh, and I just love that at this point in the film, we see that like Sanjuro, he's just fucking brokering like all these different deals all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like is. how he's playing all the angles, man. I'm like, damn, this guy just came in. He instantly like noticed a couple cracks around town in the armor, you know what I mean? And he's fucking burrowed in and he's just like pitting slowly. Like you start to see what he's doing. You're like, oh shit, like this is interesting. I didn't expe- expect that from this film. You know what I mean? Yeah. That level of intrigue of what he's doing and like how he's working his way in through the system and the town and learning how corrupt it is and everything. I just, I thought it was, I found it really interesting in what I thought was going to be like a slice and dice samurai film. So yeah, it seemed like I, that was kind of his strength. Good writing. Right? His, uh being able to to see other weaknesses in people it's like he's able to to kind of seek and point out those weak points and be like what well, i know this is where like it, it, he was very good at that yeah i did i i liked it like yeah he just saw like instantly all right this gang's into this this gang's into that and like obviously when you're dealing with these sort of guys you can prey on people's like hubris and their their ego and stuff like that so mm-hmm. he already knows those type of people exactly. but he plays off like he's like a dick you know, yeah. I hate the weak. I hate people who cry, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he does. But at the same time, he's so good at like when it when the push comes to shove, he does the, the good thing. You know what I mean? Most yep. of the time in the film. Yeah, he's not. Uh, and because uh, I'll, I'll bring up this difference uh, when we do Fistful of Dollars, because there is like one difference that I see is everything that Sandro does in this film. It feels like he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, he like it, it seems like oh, all, all, all he wants he's a he's a wandering samurai, a two bit samurai. All he cares about is money. It's like that's not what he cares about. No, he cares about people. I feel like that's that's what I'm saying. Whereas like in when we get the fistful of dollars, like yeah. our character doesn't he doesn't he's not a nice person. Well, like, that's because you get the spin of you know America. You, yeah. get the, you get the different vibes. Like we have yeah. different ethics. You know what I mean. Our motivators are greed and fucking lust. And stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we're looking at a samurai film here where people are dealing with more honor, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, um, but like Sandro is a good person. Like he's he's smart, he's cunning, and he sees all this corruption. And he wants to get rid of it. And it's like I love know, just the way he plays his cards uh, almost in every situation when he's dealing with somebody. Um, he's yeah. just good at fucking uh, you know sneaking around a little bit and how can i fuck shit up infiltra- yeah he just like <laughs> infiltrates really smooth like i, I dig it I, I like the show that the brothel puts on for him the girls performing for him like mm-hmm. it was a pretty i like the music and stuff and during that scene uh, yeah. like everybody's kind of playing towards him a little bit because they can see that he can handle himself so they're like i could use a guy like you you know what i mean yep. and then he's like working his way in from there He's like the everyone th- that what what works for him is that everyone thinks he's the catalyst for victory. Yeah, because he's so tough. I like like the brothel. Madam says to him, pick whatever girl you want. And then Sanjuro goes, it's dangerous around here. And he gets up and leaves like he yeah. just and he tells he them trust that bitch. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, at that point, he brought what those two, the two dudes, uh, the lackeys, right? 
Oh, he, okay. So before we get to that point, because so the uh, we should move through the plot a little bit because we got a lot yeah. to. I know, but like, but setting up that scene, like, uh, where he uh, sells out those two, he brings those two guys over to Sebe's side. Uh, you might, I don't, I actually just caught this for the first time watching it again for this cast. Is, um, after like they kind of make peace or whatever, like the two sides are making, you know, quote unquote, making peace, you have two of the gangsters on Ushitora's side who are like, you know, they're drunk off their ass and they're talking shit about like oh how how could they like leave us we did all this stuff for them we killed the um uh the the magistrate over in the other town so that you know mm-hmm. we could you know start doing our thing again blah 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 and who who is sitting laying down in the background sanjiro okay he's like all nonchalant he's just like mm, you know laying back and he's hearing everything and that's why he ends up coming over and like confronting those guys and he doesn't kill them he just he attacks them he like knocks the one dude out and then makes it think that the other he killed the other guy the guy thinks he's dead he like cut his shirt off he just cut his shirt off yeah <laughs> but yeah then he brings him over to sebe's side and has the whole uh but i like how he plays that so he brings him to sebe's side but then he like tells sebe where to put them right store them put them in the storeroom the storehouse and then he goes and speaks to ishituro ishitura and and sets up Sebe, Sebe, yep. like tell us heavy, like oh, Sebe has your men, and I realize I saw them getting captured, and like I know where they're being stored. Here's where they're being stored, and he's like, slowly, <laughs> "It's great, it's, it's so I'm awesome. like, holy, this motherfucker's like just working it, working yeah. the sides, man. I dig it. Like I was like, oh, I, I was really invested at this part in a film because I was just like, oh, this is cool, like this cool, interesting film. I dig uh, it more to it than I would the vibe that he kind of like does this. Like this is his thing, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's like, like he goes town you're to town. Actually, like an Assassin's Creed sort of dude. You know what I mean? Like he's totally. just he can go from city to city or town to town and just kind of weasel his way in. Not in a bad way. Like, but that's sort of what he's doing. You know, he like he lays in the cut. He checks things out. He, he finds out who the characters are, who the major players are in every location. And yep. then. You know, he obviously does have a set of morals that he's not like he doesn't wear them on his sleeve because he's a fucking Ronin. But like and he's obviously got to be a Ronin. He doesn't you know, he's masterless. So right. He's on his own. This is what like samurais do, I guess, once they they don't have a master. Um, But he's still honorable. Like he cleans up the city eventually. But, you know, he does it. He lets everybody kind of slowly take themselves out. And then once um, once his back's to the wall, then he just fucking ape shit. But. I dig it, like, especially for this. So, like, John, for, like, the first time, like, I wasn't aware of these films as much. I'm aware, like, maybe you were a little bit more blind than I was, but I'm aware of this, the samurai genre and Kurosawa's involvement. But I haven't really seen a lot of these films, and I was just amazed by the, um, I don't know, just the, the cinematic quality to this film and the deep story, uh, like, writing. It wasn't, it, I thought it was going to be more just surface value, you know, like kung fu films where sometimes yeah. there's not as much going on, but it looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's a different culture, but I, I dig this. Sam- I've always dig Samurais and I like the way this film gives you like a slice of life, you know, a couple couple weeks or months maybe of this guy's life in this town. Yeah, oh. that that is not the the Kurosawa style. Like you're not going to just get your run of the mill uh, Judeke films like the Samurai films. Like the, the stories are going to be deep, like all, all his all his stories do have like a really interesting story, interesting characters. And yeah, there is like this great, uh, you know, 
what you would expect it like in from like American film. This is what this guy did. And that's why it's that that's why I find this director so fascinating. Like what he produces is so amazing. Yeah, I I gotta ask though at this point in the film, I'm wondering where the fuck is Sanjuro stashing all this gold coin that he's collecting? He's never he's keeping it. Start, he's starting to collect a bunch of coins. But he's not body. though. He so the initial like uh, how like uh, I know when, he moved some of it around, but is he moving all of it around? Like, and I just didn't notice. Maybe first watch. So in, so initially, uh, when he uh, gets hired by Sebe, has like the fifty. He gets you're gonna have like fifty dollars, like the fifty bro, and like he's like, but I want twenty five in advance. And then so they give him that. It's like, and then he hear, overhears everything. When he like uh, betrays them, he Thank throws you. that twenty five back at the woman. And like she's picking it up off the ground. Oh, okay. Uh, and then this is you a couple have... times where he's just taking coin, and I'm like, is he using his prison wallet? Like we saw, like the Cuda from... <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Like I'm just like, where is he sticking all this stuff? Another so, coin in the gumball yeah. machine, dude. So, and then when he um gets hired by like, and so like, so he it, he never actually collects any money. The only money that he ends up... yeah. So at the end of the film, he never takes any of it. No. So I know he, he gives him away the end. Uh, like I so like, like the the, the the only money that he ends up you know quote unquote keeping there is like when he finally gets hired by uh, uh, Ushitora for like he gets hired for like sixty row and he takes thirty in advance. Yeah, or but he gives that to the couple so they can escape. Yeah, that's what he does. That was the whole yeah. point. And I do love how he kind of reunites that family in the end. Or... Yeah. He, and he um, plays it like he gets in there and then next thing you know, he just kind of turns and runs to the house. Yeah, so, yeah, so that, that those are like the other characters we have to talk about a little bit, too, is like there's Kohei, who is the uh, he's a gambler who lost his wife in a gambling bit to uh, to Tokemon, the the sake deal, uh, who is uh, another famous uh, Kurosawa lead actor, uh, Takashi Shimura. And uh, you have his wife, Nui. Um, who is K, who is obviously captured by um, by these guys. Uh, and then, like, there's, like, the little kid, like, their son, that's, you know, like, oh, mommy, where's my mommy? Who is a much better actor than what we get in Fistful of Dollars. That kid is fucking annoying in Fistful of Dollars. I'll talk about that when we do that film. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you have this, um, uh, like, the sake brewer who is in with, like, Ushitora is like, yeah, this woman looks really, like, super hot and i'm old and a weird pervert so i want to you know fuck this person which so was my- just the norm back then just to be clear everyone was a bunch of old weird perverts back then hey how, how can i like fuck you know like i, I uh i'm a degenerate gambler like i guess i'll bet i'll, I'll bet my wife on this uh this roll of the yeah, dice ga- ga- gambling's definitely like come through That's- and kind of <laughs> ravish this town somewhat oh for sure this yeah. town used to be a totally different place before all the gambling and the gangsters yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's some great shots in this film of like when Sanjuro's walking around town at night and encounters like one of the most gnarly unibrows I've ever seen in cinematic history since prom night. Yes. Uh, I, the, the names of the two guys in that scene are Eno and Uno. And I just I said in my notes and I was wrong, but I said Uno has got to be the one with the, the unibrow. <laughs> the, yeah. the Uno brow, if you will. That's hilarious. But it wasn't. I was like, man, that was they missed a chance to really fuck it. Maybe on. maybe it's not a uh 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 Uno brow, but it's an Eno brow. Yeah, go. I guess it just doesn't. It doesn't. Uno brow <laughs> sounds better. Dude, one <laughs> one thing I feel like we haven't really touched on yet is uh I know we've talked about both of these characters, but I feel like a really like core piece of the film is the 
the relationship between the uh, the coffin maker and the tavern owner. The tavern like, owner. They're, they're right. They're right next to each other. It's almost kind. Of, they they come across to me as like uh, like they were boys at one point. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the vibe I get. Like oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Like they were they were friends, you know. And then all this crazy shit started happening. And whereas we get the tavern keeper, who's this very honorable man, you know what I mean? Like he's he's you know just trying to push people along. He's always trying to make sure the right thing is done. And him and son Gerald kind of get into it a couple of times because he thinks he's doing something that he's not right. Like when he, yeah. he comes back and he's all smiling and happy because he's like, Oh, I heard you saved the family. I know all about it. Like, and he's like, uh, there's actually some hella funny lines in there when he's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, you look weird. And he's like, Oh no. And he's got that smile on it. Then he like looks over and he's smiling. He's like, Oh God, it's worse when you're smiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. fucking crying. The, like, the, the the relationship between Sandro and Gonji, the tavern owner, is fucking great. I like I like because they do like each other, but like right. it's like, oh, this guy's crazy. I can't no, like I, this is crazy. Why I can't I and then yeah, that's an interesting theory. I didn't think about like Gonji and the cat the coffin maker being friends at one point. Yeah, that's what but, that's that's just kind of what I picked up from it. No, but it like, does make sense because because Especially like, well, we're, you're just chasing the money now. Like this shit has our town has gone to shit, and all you care, like you're just making these coffins. Just like you, you, you're almost happy with the situation, and it's like you should be more honorable. Like that's, that's yeah. Just- I you know what? I actually think that that's a great theory. I that I, I've seen this film like 15 times, and yeah, I've never thought of that until you brought that up, John. That's awesome. Go cool, hell yeah. Yeah, that's a great. uh but yeah, like I said, he wants to make he's pro- he is profiting off the fighting. So it's like, what does he care? Right. Yeah. yeah the, I don't the, think like, he's wishing that people die. You know what I mean? No, like, no. He, yeah, not, he's, he is that. profiting because people need coffins. People are dying. So, but but uh, it gets to a point like when there's you know the 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 piece that's there. It's like ah, oh, you know, I'm not making money. I bought all this lumber now, and like I'm not making any money off of it. Right. And then it gets to the point like where everything, you know, Sandro stirred up so much shit, like where both factions are going after one another. And there's like, I mean, the town is burnt to shit. There's bodies all over the place. And and like the constable, uh, Hansuke asked uh, the coffin makers, like, you should, aren't you, why wouldn't you, why aren't you happy? You should be, aren't you profiting off of this? Like, no, nobody buys coffins when there's this many bodies. Like, who cares? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just make a fucking big hole and bury them all. Yeah. Um, uh, so the uh we get the showdown at like 2 a.m right like i like that the way those scenes are played out with a little oh, it was like the, it's like the you know it's like oh we're gonna have the showdown at noon or like you know it's like and like you have uh the constable who's like the timekeeper is like you know he's like clapping like the, the yeah. i like how he's like there. sneaking around yeah at night you see him sort of sneaking around this the set piece and then like it all of a sudden he like announces it's 2 a.m blah blah and they and you know, the uh, the meeting, the exchange is about to take place. And I just kind of like the way that plays out. I didn't realize he's the constable. Yeah, he's the, he's supposed to be the police officer of that, like the sheriff okay. of, the, of that, that city. Sense. Even though he's like, has no agency really as far as like anything, because the place is so corrupt. Yeah, he's a shithead. <laughs> but I like how it played out. Um, and then when the exchange happens, the handoff, I think that scene's really great. Like seeing, um, what is her name? Nui? Nui. Nui? Yeah. When she runs towards her son's voice, I thought that was really touching. Like, I thought that yeah. was a really good scene. Um, just the way it played out, I just, I was like watching. I was like, oh, there's a lot of emotion right here. Cause just bugging out off the sound of son's yeah. voice. Yeah. You, like, you get that great dramatic music that plays when. Uh, yeah, like swelling. 
Mm. And uh, the gang squaring off was very Michael Jackson's beat it. I, I enjoyed it. And they were just like lining up um, the fucking Unibro in the crowd, too. And Ishituros, his gang. Yeah. Intimidating. If you're looking down the road and that's what you see is this like that. that yeah. I'm always intimidated by unibrows. Lou from prom night. I'm, uh, like, don't stay, I'm fascinated you know, by them, from, but uh, they scare me as well. You know what I mean? They are yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to know more about them, but I don't want to get too close. It's like a spider. You know? <laughs> uh, and then we get Sanjuro. Uh, he accepts to be Ishituro's bodyguard. Right. But that's just his way of getting in. Like we said, how he gets back. Uh, no way. He's, mm-hmm. he gets in he's looking he's, he's looking to win. reunite um uh kohei yeah. his uh his uh his wife nui and their son and, and so but he, to do that he has to work with uh ushitora and that was uh, the scene that played out where i was sort of like oh shit like this dude's like a really good dude like i didn't think yeah, that yeah. was gonna happen you know what i mean yeah and he started running to that dude and just like changed script all of a sudden like i was like oh shit what's going on Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, he's because he was talking down about the, the husband that he was like, you know, weak yeah. and whatever. And like, yeah, right. He was playing into character. He even so six the guards on them to distract them. Yeah. And it's like because what he does, because he he know he uh, he talks with, you know, Kichi, the, the unibrow guy. And it's like he's an idiot. So he he's like, hey, uh, uh, he kind of like warms him up. And it's like, hey, let's go and check on on the, the people guarding the, the wife. And he's like, oh, isn't that the, uh, the uh, isn't that the husband? Don't you need like, you know, didn't he like see his wife? But he's like, yeah, that's right. I need to go beat him up. And like, mm-hmm. and so he goes and like beats the shit. Yeah, because he got that boy. story from the bartender who basically says that this dude's like a cuck. Like, yeah. Uh, because, you know, his wife was taken from him and he's basically. He, lives, like, he built a house next door to like where his wife is getting plowed by uh, the sake brewer. At least that's how the sock, how he says it, whether yeah. or not that's exactly happening. He's definitely shaming him. But I think yeah. it's pretty dope that Sanjiro saves her and like reunites the family and then gives up the 30. What is it? Rio? Yeah. Yeah. And he and just like tells him to get the fuck out of there, which they don't yeah. listen. <laughs> I love that scene. He comes out and they're all bowed down. He's like, what the fuck? Because he's yeah. like, well, so then he goes back in and he what, like just demolishes like that silk refinery. Or whatever. Oh, he, so he he runs into, you know, Kichi's like, they're all dead. Like I just like I said, he right. runs off to like uh, to uh, Ushitora and like his brother. And in that time, he runs in that building and he just fucking obliterates all six of those guys, which is a great scene it is and then he just demolishes the whole yeah and he's like so he like kind of like stages the bodies fucks up like everything like it just it which is a great scene too and he's got all this shit on him he's like dusting himself off and he looks up and he's like shit like uh, like why are you still here you idiots yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i know and i love how like after that once he, he gets them to leave fucking he like just sneaks in with all the people showing up to the crime scene as yeah. if like, oh shit, what's going on? Oh, I told you this place wasn't guarded enough. And it's like, <laughs> motherfucker. You just yeah. he just snuck right in, like, oh, what's going on? Hey, what oh, these guys are dead? Oh shit. Yeah. And I was just like, everybody just buys it. I just I love and it. He, he destroys like some in those next two scenes, he destroys something significant to either faction. You know what I mean? He and he takes out the sake, the sake barrels. And so no, that's the thing. Sandro doesn't do that. It's the yeah. sure? he, he got no, oh, no, no retaliation. 
so the yeah. the gangs do that it's like oh so Sebe's uh so because oh, the way it played to... out i thought it didn't really show who did it i thought it was like so i just assumed he did it to them also no no no, no. setting so, up both sides because they both oh, lost something yeah so no so ushi torah's group fucks up the uh the silk merchant and like the, right, the, uh, uh and uh tazemon and like so they they burn his place down and then as retaliation Sebe and his group you know, destroy the sake brewery. Right. And that it's like, and like, that's where gotcha, like, gotcha. now, okay. like now both sides are warring against each other. The town's burnt to shit. It's like, it's dying out. Yeah, Cause he makes a comment about it too, Berg. He says something along the lines of like, uh, Oh, they yeah, I wrote half of it. And they wrote the rest men that, that did this. And, and then he was like, Oh, that's what say so I, he mentions the Sebe gang. Right. And so, and then that very next scene, I think the very next scene is where we cut to the barrels being cut, right? With the holes. Yeah, in that's it. why I kind of thought that uh, it was him too. I thought our, yeah, I thought our main guy yeah. did it. Yeah, that makes sense. He's just like setting them up to like uh, suspect the other side of you know, the damage on one side. He did the, because he pretended that he wasn't there during the silk plant or whatever right. it was. And then the next scene was like the sake place. So I was like, oh, he must have took them both out. Either way, it was pretty cool. And I like, um, like, he's just pitting them up against one another. Like he said to the tavern owner, he's like, I only wrote half this script. You know what I mean? Like right. they're filling in the rest. Like I set it in motion and now they're going on one another. Um, the, the, the gunslinger catches on them. Yeah. He's smart. He's, he's weary of them. You can see in scenes and he's, there's a tense conversation between the two that they have. Uh, Sen, Senjuro and, uh, Uno, Unosuke. Yeah, so the, so that I like so this is very Tarantino esque this conversation, which I know is backwards, you know, because yeah, that I I can see where Tarantino got some of his influences, but the way it plays out, them at the table like talking, I love the kind of way it's framed and the dialogue how it plays out in that scene. Yeah, so like so this, so uh, we talked about this a little bit before. We'll we'll touch on it uh, again, but like so the the tavern owner um, uh, Gonji. He because he he hears about like what happens, like what Sandro did to reunite that family. He's like, and he's so happy about that. It's like you reunited that family, you big softy. Like, you know, you actually cared about them, even though you've been talking shit the whole time. Yeah. And so he's like, because what happened is he uh the uh uh Kohei and like his family gave like a note to Sandro, like thanking him for what he had done. Bro, folded up like a boomerang cootie catcher from fucking elementary school. Did you <laughs> that shit, dog? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> one of those things I'd be like, do yeah, you like me? Yes or no? Pick <laughs> that, one or two or three or five. That that is a very Asian thing. I, I I know because my wife does stuff like that. So it's I think this is just a, a very Asian thing to do. But yeah, yeah it, I thought that it was is hilarious. like that. Um, and so, so obviously like Gonji, like, like read it and he's like, oh, you or either he didn't, he, maybe he didn't read it, but like he heard like the Kohei told him like what had, had happened. And so he's so like excited. It's like, hey, you big softy. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I want some sake. It's like, oh, of course, like you have whatever you want. It's on the house. Dude, that's the funniest exchange there too. I, when he fucking tells him, he's like, God, you, you're fucking weird when you're happy. And then he looks over and he's got that big ass grin on his face. 
And he's just like, oh, fuck, it's weirder when you smile. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's after he got beat up. He looks like hammered shit at that moment. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This is before he gets beat up. No, this is right no. when they're about to catch him. This is like right, right when they, the, this, uh, the, this scene, is, the uh, scene where he says you look worse when you smile. That's after he's already been beaten up. Oh, that, but no, no, but that's, um, that, it, um, they, that's after that the that scene that I twice. mentioned where they're sitting at the table, him and right. I think they the use that line twice because they use oh, it maybe. like, um, oh, maybe they do. Maybe it's a callback. Yeah. To that. Like, I just remember that shit was hilarious. Yeah. Cause Sandro says that to Gonji, like, it's like, oh, you look so weird. Like when you're like all smiling and all that. And, oh, like, he says it to him. I got you. So he says yeah. it back to Sandro. Yeah, he later. says it back to him later after he gets okay. beat up and shit. Um, there you go. Cinematic archaeology. No, I'm just kidding. There it is. Yeah. In the same movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, so like, uh, so Gonji's super excited, gives him like, you know, just read the thing. It was like, fuck those people. Like, you know, it's like, you know, those damn weaklings and all that. So he's kind of you know, playing the tough guy, even though he's like kind of, yeah. he is a softy. Right. And that's where like, you know, uh, you know, you know, Kichi and Unosuke like walk in mm-hmm. and they start like, kind of like playing out the events. Like, Hey, like someone saw, so-and-so it's like so maybe it wasn't Sebe's people and you hear like like obviously like you know you have Sandro kind of like sitting off to the side he's drinking sake like he's done with the bottle and he kind of like is signaling Gonji like hey get that fuck out of here and he's Mm -hmm. uh like because he starts to reach for his sword because yeah but the gunslinger is watching him yeah, and like he points the gun at him grabs his sword and um they they knock him out but you don't see it right yeah it, it kind of like john what were you gonna say about the weapon just the way he uses that fucking thing just the whole the the gun whole, carries it it's almost like an extension of himself the way he like oh the like sword about how they rest him, the, the the gun and like oh, yeah, how yeah. He like rests rests, it like, his... and, and then like how it just kind of like pops out here or there like yeah. it's like it's, it's almost like a an extension of it. it the way he uses it and even his line later where he's like Oh, dog, make sure I have my gun. I can't yeah. die without my gun. I don't gun. want to go to the other world. I feel naked without it. It's and interesting it. to see that take, too, because I feel like it's a different take on, you know, like the Western um, gunman, you know, gunslinger, and like how he's he's quick like them, too, but he's different. You know what I mean? He's not pulling from his hip. He's got, he's got it in right. his hand. He plays with it in his shirt and then kind of pops it out and then just like, bop, bop, you know, gets a couple like shots. That, like that, it's like a cobra strike. Like he's cool, striking. Yeah. Like it. yeah. It's different. I dig it um but yeah then like we get to that scene like where like we like it's it's so it cuts from like the the tavern to like sandro like ha- his ass he is fucked up yeah he's at the brewery he really he gets fucked up by the dude with the hammer i kind of wish we see- yeah he does because he wakes up and he- that dude's there the japanese jaws um and then that guy proceeds to beat him up some more yeah, yeah. roughs him up and a couple of times he looks pretty he looks pretty fucking gnarly he looks pretty beat up man like he's like uh he like the aesthetic uh, that they use the uh, the effects on his face look pretty pretty realistic enough like the the, the skin where it looks like he's got a contusion or whatever mm-hmm. um it it looks awesome i feel yeah. like it looks like like i said he looks like hammered shit he looks like he's really, he really been does look like hammered shit which you would I, have to be because one of the one of uh, we're kind of getting into one of the issues that i had that just yeah. bothered me about the film was the whole uh like we, we did see him get fucked up, right? But I just feel like if your life is on the line, there's no fucking way in the world that you are just gonna crawl everywhere. Like you're gonna, like it doesn't. You, you, oh, you mean when he gets away? 
Yeah, he's like literally every scene is him like crawling. Yeah, after that, I, like, I think it's supposed to show that like he's been beaten so bad he just can't. He doesn't have the strength to walk, or or it was part of just like his sneak. Yeah, he was just trying to. He he knew if he could crawl out of there, he would definitely get away. I, I just felt the way he was using his upper body, like it was like you should have had the strength to fucking get on your feet and get the fuck out. You know what I mean? So I liked I think- how he got out of there though. I liked that he saw the chest, which to me in my mind I was like, oh shit, his gears in there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Get his gear. He's gonna wake up. He's gonna fucking start kicking ass from behind enemy lines with his fucking swords. But then I realized that like, oh shit, no, it's just. He, it was just a chest to get into. And then he used it to as a diversion. He hid and then they thought he was gone. And he used that, uh, you know, that moment yeah. of weakness to escape, which I dig. And then I, I I was just assuming that he was just beaten so bad that he couldn't really walk that good. So he just crawled his way out of there. Yeah, sure. that's, I was that's unable kind of how he yeah, stayed low right. enough that nobody noticed him. But it was kind of ridiculous when you see him crossing the street. <laughs> yeah. Like in the moonlight, he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. so that. So that scene uh, where so he obviously he climbs in the chest, he like like he they make he makes them think that like because these guys are dumb, like they're not smart at all. But like he but but like Sandro is smart. So he's like he's using their 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 dim wittedness against them. And it's like, oh, shit, did like we did we leave this door unlocked? Oh, my God. Like, you know, he escaped. And they don't even think to look in the the chest. They leave the door open for God's sakes. And so, like, he uses that time of confusion. So he crawls out of the chest. You know, he's like, because uh, he's probably been beat several times. Like, he probably has broken ribs. Yeah, he looks he pretty. Might, yeah, he's fucked up. Sure. And so he crawls out, and so he ends up like, uh, like climbing under the uh, the under the buildings. Yeah, that part's cool. Yeah. So okay, so that shot uh, was the most difficult shot of the film. Because these buildings were built like they were actually built. They were real buildings, not just like special way for them to like to film it. So to get the they had to choreo the cinematographer and Toshima Fune had to choreograph this. Like so the timing had to be perfect. So as he's crawling around, the camera guy would follow him. But he's he's holding the camera. He can't see him. So he has like the camera and the lenses all like tied to these strings. And so he's, like, he's operating it as like a marionette. And so he's like trying to work the moving along. He's crawling along with Mufune and like changing like the, the filters on the camera to keep the focus in. And it's like he can't see him. Like there's no like actually like viewfinder that he's looking at to see if he has the right yeah. shot. He just so knows that his actor has luck. hit the mark. Yeah. So it's almost like you it's almost dumb luck that they got this shot. It's cr- it's just insane how this worked out. That's pretty well, cool. Like nowadays, it'd be so much easier to do, but like back then, it was way harder. Sure, you take for granted sign kind of some of those those things nowadays, right? Where you just I like I would have never thought that. Like that's it's interesting to hear you say that that that, that shot was the hardest. Just to, I just wouldn't have like I, I guess yeah, it's something that, that you just yeah. don't even it, it, think yeah, about. It looks flawless. It looks great. This is one of the best like uh, like uh, scenes of the movie. Like because you know yeah, very <laughs> iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it just and like when I, I was listening to the um on the Criterion DVD, they have the documentary of how this was made and talk they the cinematographer is talking about that scene is like this is one of the fucking hardest things I've ever had to do in my entire life. Because like you said, like all the set dressing was like all done realistically. So there was yeah. definitely it wasn't all just a facade that you could go behind the wall and then all of a sudden like there would be like fake furniture. You know what I mean? Like they built everything pretty realistic. So it was, it was all built practically. After. 
yeah. yeah. And then like also, like we said, like all any camera, anything done trickery back then had to be done in camera. You know what I mean? So it wasn't there was no after post where they could go put effects in and stuff. So they had to achieve everything on the set the day of filming. So no, it it all looks one of the one of the my my favorite parts of this uh, not parts but like things of this film like features. It's just like how great it looks. Like it just looks great. It all looks great. Um, it just like I know it's been restored, but I know that like majority of all this greatness was captured. You know. The day they recorded and uh, that's pretty impressive to me especially okay. for like because this was done in uh well, i think like director. the uh the film technique it was cinemascope so it was like one of those like your know, special widescreen um, filming techniques so there was like special cameras that they used yeah and it's impressive and so like so this guy crawls his way he's fucked up like he's been captured he's been fucking tortured whatever he crawls his way back to the tavern owner and the tavern owner like takes him in like Sanjuro's like fucking desperate at this point. Like yeah. he's got no strength. And then the old man hides him. Um, yeah. And he says like, I just need a couple of days uh, in a couple of days. I can be like back to, I'll be you right. Know, strength. I'll be right. Yeah. And then, so it, uh, Ushituro's men come uh, looking around the tavern. And I like that. Like they came over, they looked around the, the unibrow wonder is there. He's, he's used pretty effectively in that scene. As like a hype. <laughs> like he basically just repeats anything Ushituro says. Um, and then they all leave, but Onosuke, he the gunfighter, he looks around a little bit longer because he's you know still weary of all this. Like he's on to yeah. the gun, the onto the samurai. Um, and then like when he can't find anything else, he just Naruto runs the fuck out of there. Like, <laughs> like, like that's it's the most prevalent right there in that scene where you can actually see his arms behind him and he's just like yeah. mm. Beams it out yeah. of the fucking doorway, and I was just like, "What the <laughs> fuck happened just now?" And the tavern guy just closes the door. Yeah, yeah. I uh, was definitely interested in th- there had to be, and I don't know if you have notes on this or not, Rob, but there had to be some kind of fucking symbolism going on with the the guy with the gun being, you know, like like moving into modern times, right? He's he's got it, yeah, with the, and and. And the fact that he's he's all he he's actually uh, correct on a lot of the things that he's that he's talking about. And like because the other guys remember that the elders kind of shush him. He's like, hey, man, like he's like, oh, he went to Cybles, I think he said or something like that. Right. Mm. And he's like, why would he 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 refutes it and is correct in refuting what he said. But he's kind of shut down by these elders like, hey, be quiet. Boss is talking. You know, and then it's it's it just. It definitely see I'm not smart enough to fucking figure out what it what it is. But to, to me, it seemed like there's definitely something like if you dig in that direction, there's fucking something symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. John, I'm glad you brought that up because so the great thing. So w- when we watch like the great Westerns and samurai film, sa- samurai and Westerns are they're like the two sides of the same coin. Right. Mm-hmm. And the great Westerns and samurai films. They all take place at like the end of an era or like things are changing. This uh, this uh, film is set in it's not stated, but it's set in like 1860. So this is the end of like the towards the end of the Tokugawa Shogunate, like the Edo era. And we're moving into the Meiji era, which is like uh, Japan moving into like the more of like a Western style uh, uh, where the West has influenced japan to it to a degree where they're moving towards like uh so if you watch the movie like the last samurai that yeah. is 
transition between the Tokugawa Shogunate into the Meiji era. Good movie. Have you seen that movie, John? I have not. All right. Oh, we'll have to cover that. We can cover it here. Um, but yeah, so there, so there's always like uh, these films are always set during a time of change. Things are changing in like uh, so eras are changing. So and when that happens, hours changing hands like yeah, so corruption happens in those times and because there's chaos. Mm-hmm. And so you have criminal elements that work in the uh, in this time frame. And that's where like the great Westerns take place or the great samurai films take place. And so, yeah, this is a this is set in a time where corruption has been allowed to happen in this town because uh, uh, before the the way that the shogunate would work, it was much more controlled. Like there would there would not have been this town would not have been allowed to fall into the corruption that it did. Okay, but now the power is changing. The eyes are not there, and the and the power that does come, like that we see, like the. was it the uh, the inspector that comes? They're easily bribed because they know that like yeah. the times are changing, like you know, uh, and so they're the more um, susceptible to bribes. And that's that's what's happening in this town. It's kind of it's it's a symbol of times are changing and corruption is allowed is is not is easily seen mm-hmm. and it's easier to happen. And that's where like and Sandro is from that old period. He's right. he's still of that old samurai class. Though yeah. he does not have a house that he is that he is connected with. Yeah, he's, he's a, a Ronin. He's a Ronin. Um, and so that's why he so his old teachings still play through. And that's why he's like he hates what he sees in this town. And so that's why he fucks shit up. Yeah. And so uh Ishituro, he torches and assaults the brothel at that point in the movie. And it's pretty it's pretty graphic. Like that is a rough that's a rough scene. Yeah, it's a rough scene. People are shouting and screaming. Um, the fire's like blazing. The smoke's just coming out of the entrance entranceway, and all these people are, like kind of flying out of there. Like the, all the all the women in the brothel first, and then like the wife. And Unibrow kills the wife. He 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 cuts her from behind. Yeah, with yep. sword. And his son, her son, who's working for Ishituro at that moment, like realizes like that's my mom. And he rushes towards her. And then it's just, I don't know, it's fucked up. Um, Sanjuro watches all this while hiding in the barrel because he's like still recuperating. Yeah, he's still recuperating from his beating. Like he's not they're, right. they're not ready to. All right, uh, not all the way back. Yeah, he's not ready to fucking take on all these people yet. So he's trying to hide. And he's like kind of witnessing all this happening, but he can't do anything about it because he's hiding in the barrel. And um, that's when we get, what's her name? Um, not what's his, uh, the unibrow guy gets convinced by, um, what's his name? Goji? Uh, uh, Gonji. Gonji, yeah. Uh, to car- help him carry what looks like just a normal barrel or whatever, but it have happens to have the samurai in it hiding. Um, and that seems just like some funny comic relief to me, the way he's like, we're going to the cemetery where there's ghosts. And he's like, ghosts? And then he's like, yeah. oh, I don't fear ghosts. You know what I mean? At first, he fear- it looks like he's like, what? Ghosts? And up, like, yeah. No, 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 ghosts don't bother me. Well, and that's the same scene where you kind of see the coffin maker just dip out on him, right? Like, yeah, like, what the fuck? Like they're doing it, and uh, I thought it was hilarious. He's like, uh, "Oh, they're about to, they're about to attack Cybels right now," and he's like, "Oh, put me down. I want to see." And they're like, "What? Yeah. We gotta get the fuck out of here, man. Are you crazy?" He's like, "Nah, we got time. Put me down." And then, uh, you know, then they sit there and watch all, all the chaos ensue, and then he's like, "Well, time to go." And like, just the way he uh, like. 
He turns around to pick up his uh to pick up his part of the stick and sees that the other guy's not there. Yeah, the other guy like, bounced. What the? I don't know why that. Just that was... scene plays out fucked up too, because it's like they torch the place. Yeah, they kill the wife, mm-hmm. then the dad. The fucking gunman then shoots the dad, and as the son runs to the gun to the dad, he the gunman shoots him as yeah, well. Yeah, fuck, it's... he just killed off the whole family. Yeah. So that whole that whole side is uh, they're dead. You know, it's yeah. like that whole that whole uh, gang is dead because the brothels destroyed and they destroy. Uh, so, uh, um, Sebe, Oren, and Yoichiro, they're all dead. Every time you say that, I want to be like, Sebe, Sebe, Sebe. But I mean, so I don't know. It's sort of fucked up though because all right, so like our samurai, he's the hero, but he mm-hmm. did set a lot of this in motion. All right, so like, yeah, the brothel guy's not that great. His wife's not that great. The son. You know what I mean? So like, so this, a lot of people die because of this dude, his actions. And yes, he does clean up the city. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that everybody dies is ultimately like a, a, a true evil. Some of them are corrupted. And so they're not as bad as, say, like, Ishituro is like fucking gangster. And he's like the worst. His, mm-hmm. The people that work for him are the worst. Um, the brothel people, they, they weren't great. Don't get me wrong. I do but, feel bad for like the, the geishas that get. Turkey. Yeah, and like the son too. I just kind of feel like yeah, I don't know. I get it. Like he wanted because uh, then didn't the mom the mom snapped on him right because yeah. earlier didn't he was like oh I thought we just hired he, this guy and now we're gonna turn on him and he's like oh you got to get a fucking stronger stomach for this shit because he was captured remember and like he was part yeah, of and the then, like his mom slapped yeah. the shit out of him yeah because he was shameful that's right that's right and I love that scene too where she slaps the shit out of him in front of everybody like that's so embarrassing so. <laughs> But um, so, uh, while all this is happening, we get that the samurai is he is like healing up like times past a couple days. We see he's throwing a dagger at a, at a leaf as it's like blowing around uh, more wind, by the way, yeah. Rob. But it that, looks- that is a so that is a reverse shot. So I can see that. Would- yeah, it has that. Like, yeah, so that that dagger was on a string and they would have they had they had already planted it in the leaf. Okay. And so he would pull it out and like they, they kind of like did like they would use the wind to it move. Looks it looks good. It looks great. I like it. And like I like how we see like, OK, he's healing up and then he goes after Ishituro. The shot of the samurai in the street with the tavern owner covered in dust or like soot looks amazing. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. most beautiful shots in the entire film to me. Yes. There's like the depth of field where like we get Sanjuro in the street. He's in the very background. The mm. far background and then in the frame and it's framed so well. And then the tavern owner's hanging there and he's covered in gray, like dust or soot. And then like, like you said, like the focus is so well done. We get Ishituro's like henchmen. They run off into the, like the left and then they come back and they run across the, the camera and it's like one whole shot the entire time. Right. And it yep. just looks so fucking good. And at the same time, while the henchmen are running into place, to confront Sanjuro, he's in the background, just like standing there, like mm. stoic as fuck. And I just like the entire scene, I had to rewind it too, because I was just like, man, so much like little things are going on right now. And it's such a beautiful shot the way it just like it ends up, the camera stops and it kind of just frames and, and just frames the action for a moment there. And it's just like, I don't know, it just it jumped out at me. Yeah, I, I really thought they were going to, I thought they hung. I'm when I first saw that scene, so I was dead, like, right? Shit, they killed him. Like, He's about to snap like he's about to fucking hog. And then you, you know, it it scrolls up and, you know, you see that he's not dead. He's just like tied up around the waist hanging, which I thought. Yeah, I was like, I guess they were trying to torture him. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, which they did. They did torture him most likely. Yeah. Um, and that this particular scene, like the the ending final shot, this took I think like three or four days. It was. It makes sense. Just a slow build as the samurai walks closer to the gunfighter and all yeah. of Ishiguro's men. It's just masterfully done. Like the, it's so great. Like it's just such a great scene. The way he walks up and there's like the the um, there's like a symbol noise, right? It's like ting ting. Yeah, yeah, ding, and it just like keeps getting progressively more and more. And like the way the so the scene just builds where it shows him like inching up closer and closer to these men as they're walking closer and yeah, closer. You got to him. The, like the, you got the wind coming in and all that shit too, and it's just like this. And you got the unibrow's fucking scowl in this moment. There's a moment yeah. where the unibrow is just it's like <laughs> fucking V, bro. He's got like a V over his fucking eyes, and he's just like he's got this look of like dis- disgust on his face, and I'm just like this motherfucker needs to go. He looks like a fucking video game character. He does, bro. He sl- he definitely does. Um, There's moments in the movie too where he makes this like stupid face with like buck teeth. Yeah, like, and the teeth kick out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he like he's tasting something sour the whole time. Exactly. Like he's got something sour in his mouth. He's like, <laughs> he looks like such a fucking moron. I think he. I uh, so obviously the the unibrow is fake. I think he also had like fake teeth because they're all like fucked oh, up. The unibrow comes like down the sides of his face too. Oh yeah, like, it was and it like wrapped into it's his hairy, bro. Hairline, like yeah, it wraps up into his his fucking. It's a unibrow mutton chop type of style. Oh, like, dude. Not, I've never seen. I don't know how to categorize this fucking thing. But it's like, it's almost like this. the unibrow mullet combo that we were, we're hoping for. That's in, that's in, that's never happened. <laughs> no one man can rock a unibrow and a mullet at the same time. It's unstoppable. That should be disgusting. <laughs> a, man, a man like that could take over the earth. <laughs> he could. The Antichrist will have a unibrow and a mullet. And that's yeah. how you know. And under that mullet, he'll have under the party section, he'll have six, six, six. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but so we've been building up to the entire film with this. Sanjiro, he finally strikes in this moment where yep. he takes out a bunch of dudes. And man, oh, man, does he strike? He cleans up really quickly, this gang. And I like the way he starts off, like the way he throws the dagger. He's been practicing. Right. He knows he's got to take the gunman out, right? Like Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he takes out his his arm, his shooting arm. And I just thought that was so fucking smart to me. Yes. I love the way it played out. Like it was like it was DIY, right? Like I hope it fucking works. And like he made it happen. Yep. And sure enough, from there, he just kind of moves in in succession and just starts taking people out, like dipping around. Because so the thing is, because he knew he could take out the swordsman, but he didn't know what to do with the Nosuke with the gun. Because right, yeah. that's that's a that's his power. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. And he knows he's not faster than, say, a bullet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't give us the moment where I thought that he was going to, like, cut a bullet in half or something like that. I'm kind of yeah. glad that oh, we went yeah. this See, other that, route where that, he's like, none of that bullshit. No, I like that he acknowledges that, like, the gun, this is high tech stuff right now at the moment. Like, I need to take this guy out because he's quicker right. than me with this bullet. Yeah. But he's not a better swordsman. And none of these other guys are. Which was like yeah. the training exercise of him snapping the fucking leaf with the bullet. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's what I love. That, that, yeah, of play, like, exactly. I love the way it plays through. Practicing for this. Yeah. So the, the, the other thing, too, is like, uh, so Kurosawa wanted to make sure that I want to make sure that the, the way that the, the bullets hit the ground, like if they if they do hit the ground, you know, they need to be able to like spray dust like a normal bullet would. And because yeah, they're shooting blanks, they're they're not shooting real bullets, obviously. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they would have to do. They would like set up 
like these little things to like you know blow the dust out like on the ground to like in like in the in the direction it goes because there's times like he ends up like shooting the ground and missing sandro you know after he like you know stabs his arm yeah it's it's just like yeah that like that's why the scene took so damn long and after he uh after sandro slices down inosuke the actor tatsuya nakadai who plays inosuke was the so that uh this scene they had like that they used to like a bucket of fake blood for like the uh for the scene like for all the characters and the fighting and shit really because like you don't see any of it he, so you do like if you if you see like so you don't necessarily see it like right off the bat but when we after he cuts down after sandro cuts down everybody we go back and we look back at Inosuke who's trying to grab for his gun yeah you no see, you're right you do blood. it looks like mud that's the, the only time you yeah. see it though for sure yeah you're right He's been laying in that for three days because they've been working on this scene for three days. And uh, the 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 filming was so like stressful and like whatever was in that fake blood. He actually after like the shooting it, uh, after they were done, he Game had hives all these like hives and shit on his body like he was broken out and like, all these hives. Yeah, because yeah, he's just laying in it chest deep. Yeah. It, it looks like he's laying in like a mud puddle. I didn't you know, take the blood. To- yeah, going back to Tarantino, like in like Reservoir Dogs, like when uh, with uh, Tim oh, yeah. character, it's kind of the same thing. Like where it's like he would like the blood, the fake blood that he was laying in for all that time. He it would like it would like kind of like rip off his skin a little bit because it was so like it just it was like, in there for yeah. so long. It's, it like solidified like on corn it. syrup in it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's a, that is sort of like a similar scene too, where the guy's like laying down in the in the in his own blood, like bleeding out. Uh, yeah, so Sanjuro, so, so the samurai cleans up the town, and that's where we see where every like all his plan has come to fruition. Like he's basically yeah. eradicated all of the corruption in this town and given this this town like its own agency again to do what it will. Um, but you know, to to be a thriving uh, marketplace or something, yeah, probably because yeah. that's what these people are. They're like farmers and and yeah, business. And this- yeah, and this is like where also like after he slices all those people down on Ushitora's gang, he doesn't kill the kid that we see from the very beginning of the film. He's yeah, like, okay, now I realize where that kid came from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is where I brought the idea of like this is also another Tarantino, you know, cinematic archaeology where the bride and Kill Bill Volume One smacks the shit out of that kid, and yeah, uh, yeah, where it's like don't fuck around with he's the part of the crazy eighty eights. Yeah, and he's like yeah. a kid. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's funny. I like that, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because that is a funny scene. And so he saves the uh, tavern owner, too, which I thought was great. And yeah. then he just like fucking dude, he just pieces out. Yeah, that's it. Irish he fucking pieces out. He's done. I'm off. <laughs> and we get the end. And I love the choice of music at that point, too. Like the end. The, the music in this fucking film is really good. Uh, I, I this dig is it. one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. I don't blame you. I could see. And you know what's funny is recently I've started. Um, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about it or not, but uh, I know I've 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 mentioned it several times now. I never really paid attention to like original soundtrack or to like scores like that shit yeah. just never grabbed me and never. It, it, uh, same thing with like like when people talk about music and video games and like old old video game music and shit like that. Like I just never really even heard it. Like it just never grabbed me at all. Um, but since I've gotten more into to looking at things deeper and like, you know, uh, giving things more attention, I guess uh, it's it's really started to stick out now where you can see just how much value that stuff adds and like how much like like it was, you know, 
causing emotions and reactions in me that I wasn't even realizing was happening because of the music, you know, like it was yeah, like, no. the, the, the combination of the acting and the music is I, I think really what like, gets you all the way there. And so it's just uh, long story, less long. It's, it's fucking interesting. And now I, I, I have an ear for, so when I hear it, it's like, Oh shit, that is good. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. The music I noticed pretty early on in this film and I, throughout the entire film, it just, it hits, like you said, emotionally, Right. And scenes that either ramp up tension or mm-hmm. dread or like emotion. It services the the scene almost always. Like it's handpicked and I dig it. And it's a, you know, it's a different style of music too. It's not something that we're used to necessarily. Right, right. You know, living in America. But I, I, I love how authentic it sounds for the film. And it just like, there's a lot of, um, it was a lot of like um, windblown music in the beginning too. It was like a lot of... Totally. Yeah, stuff like that. I, I dig. I thought it's all just like works really well uh, for the film. And yeah, like especially this film, like you, I couldn't imagine play this film without that music. And like you, those scenes are going to hit so much differently. Right. Yep. Um, and it's like you said, uh, being that you play a lot of classic video games, John, like the music in those video games um, oh, yeah. is important. It's been reused in other cultures, too, or like media where we don't even realize sometimes like there's bands that literally just make a living off of like making you know, music based around old uh, Atari or like NES. Well, like you said, you you played uh, like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Like with Final Fantasy, Nobuo Uematsu is one of the greatest composers of all time. His music mm-hmm. is so iconic. Like I can't imagine not having that music in a Final Fantasy game. And I would bet a lot of these guys are influenced by films like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. They even get into that field. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because it's important for those like when you're when you're playing a game for fucking six to eight hours at a time. You know what I mean? It's pretty critical that it's not something that makes you want to fucking bear out. Yeah, especially the older games. Those games are, um, you know, their style of like music is a little rudimentary compared to like they, what Absolutely. they could do. You know what I mean? But those yeah. those theme songs that they came up with, but those simple chords were iconic. Like look at the Mario theme. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It's, there's a Tetris. Remember that, like the the theme song of Tetris is just embedded in the And it's got that Russian feel to it. Yeah, but yeah, and this the soundtrack in this movie is definitely gonna. And I'm gonna watch this movie more than once. That's for sure. I'll probably buy it. I think I'm dig it, and I'll probably I'll check out some more of. Yeah, get the Ojimbo Sandro pack. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Plus, you'll get like the documentary stuff that like I had that I watched. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, for and then the- I can have a big nerd boner like you do right now. <laughs> boner alert! Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So that that is the film. I don't know if you guys want to get in. You want to get into I, the reviews? Do you have any more? Well, I do. I do have a couple things before we get into our review because I, I I teased a little bit before we started on some stuff. Uh, so Kurosawa hit one of his uh, his big influence because uh, he loves he grew up in a time like uh, he would. Yes, he grew up in Japan, but he was introduced to like a lot of like Western stuff. So he loved film and his fame. His favorite director was John Ford. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with John Ford. Uh, John Ford is known for his great Westerns, uh, Stagecoach, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance, The Searchers. Yeah, The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance is my all-time favorite Western. But that's actually, that's Kurosawa's favorite director. And so when we watch his films, we see a lot of John Ford. So you, you were, uh, John, you were asking earlier, like, 
was this purposely shot in black and white? Right. Yes, it was because John Ford hated, uh, he did not use color very often outside of maybe the searchers. Uh, John Ford loved black and white film and would, you know, work within that medium. And so Kurosawa kind of held off doing color for a very long time because he loved John Ford. Okay. So that there's that. Um, I think this film is better off being black and white. Hell yeah, yeah, it is. Personally, it just, yeah. The way the scenes are shot in the moonlight and like the fire and. Because, you know, like I said, because the the scene like where he's crawling to like the, when Sandro's crawling back to like this, the, um, the tavern or like the scene like where they're fighting at 2 a.m. Those are all day for night shots. If that was done in color, it's like, ah, it's not night. Sure. So it's daytime and they're making it look like night because of the contrast. But it, but it does look like it. Um, so the um, the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about too is Toshiro Mifune. The two, so because of this film, uh, he became really famous, just like Kurosawa did. This is Kurosawa's most uh, financially successful film, and um, so there are two American films that uh, Mifune was offered. There was two roles that he was offered. He was supposed to be Obi Wan Kenobi. In no. uh, so uh, I don't know if you know this. So Hidden Fortress is one of the main inspirations for Star Wars uh, from George, George Lucas loves Hidden Fortress. It's a great film. Uh, Toshiro Mifune is one of the big stars of the Hidden Fortress. OK. And but he was and he's the, he is kind of like a general in uh, in that film to the princess. Kind of similar to like what Obi-Wan Kenobi was in the Star Wars movie. But uh, he, so Toshiro Mifune was supposed to be Obi-Wan. He was the first person that George Lucas went after. And uh, Mifune turned it down because he was worried about his English. And I really wish he had been Obi-Wan for God's sakes. Because that would have been interesting. Yeah. That would have changed cinematic history. Yeah. As, as, as popular, no, don't get me wrong. I love Alec Guinness. He's great. But Alec Guinness did not like that movie, and he hated the uh, the the popularity that that film had. And I think, like, had Mifune been a part of that, I think Mifune would have loved it. Like, he would have loved the fame that he had gotten, and it would have appreciated the role a lot more. Sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the other role that was another iconic role that he was offered, um, he was supposed to be Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. That's mm. crazy. And he didn't take it. And it's like, fuck, Yeah, I'm man. okay with that, though. Yeah. Are you... No, I I could totally see Mifune as... Uh, in Pat Morita's role in, uh, in Karate Kid. I think he would have been fantastic. Well, maybe, but I don't want him. I want I want Pat Morita. You want Pat... Okay, that's... You're the yeah. first person I've heard say that. Why? Why would I not want my... Yeah, I, it's hard to... Not, I'm not, I'm not, it's hard I, to come I, off it. You know what I mean? I love Pat Morita. Don't get me wrong. Karate That's kid what I'm saying. Funny. Like, exactly, John. Like, what, I'm already on it. Like, why would I want to come off that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that Minifuna, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been good. Pat, but Pat Morita was not the first choice of that film. I'm just it saying. Matter. Yeah, but also, Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox was in the first choice for that film. But Eric guess Sultan what film we got? Horrible. Yeah, but guess what film we got? We got the one with Michael J. Fox, which is right. the one that burned into No, Eric Stoltz was awful. I'm just, uh, he, would, he would not have worked. And Eric Stoltz... There's several films that work differently. Film. And yeah. had we gotten the original vision, they wouldn't have been better films. Predator wouldn't have been have, have been a better film. Oh yeah, that had yeah. it gone with the original vision that that Talk was going about it. True, but 
But I'm just saying, like, those are two iconic roles that this guy had that would have changed cinematic history. Absolutely. Kind of glad things played out. Because here's the thing. We're always talking about, like, nowadays, we're always talking about, like, representation and all that stuff, like, right? Uh But, like, and especially when it comes to Asians in cinema, we're always saying, like, oh, it's kung fu films. And, like, so the real, uh, you know, Asian influence was Bruce Lee. But had Mifune done these films that would have changed that like i mean bruce lee would still be iconic of course and obviously you know because of bruce lee we get jackie chan we get jet lee we get like uh, uh donnie yen if we do Ip man uh yeah you know it's uh so like i'm not saying that like they didn't make a good impact but toshi Mafune is not just a samurai actor he's not just like a he's not a typecast type actor he yeah. can do any type of role he is a he is a leading man and it's not just in like a, a genre. He can do what he can do uh, detective films. He can do action adventure films. He can do a lot of stuff. He's really good. Yeah, and- but Rob, Rob, karate come from here. Yeah. And here. <laughs> Never here. Talk about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I was curious of like, you know, I wanted to tell you guys that. Yeah, that's super uh, interesting, interesting, obviously. Uh, I could, but yeah. We'll get into our ratings. Um, I don't really uh, want him as Miyagi, but I could see him in the other role. Dude, uh, had he been Obi Wan, it would have ch- like because then you'd have there is a samurai influence to you know um, the Star Wars, like the Jedi yeah. or their exactly. fashion after samurai, like obviously. Sure. And then if you uh, if you had uh, with the prequels instead of uh, Ewan McGregor, you'd have Ken Watanabe. Yeah. Was he ready for that role at that moment in his career, though? Yeah, he was. He was. Okay. Yeah, uh, but let's get into our ratings. Uh, I guess I'll go first since this is my choice. Uh, I don't think it's uh, too crazy. Like I, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what I'm going to say. It's an instant classic. This is awesome. I love this film. The soundtrack is fucking dope. I uh, just, I, you know, especially since I've been watching it so much more over the the past week. Uh, you know, it's just like it's in my head, and I just, I love the soundtrack. Toshin Mifune is one of my favorite actors of all time. He blows the shit out of this role as Sanjiro. Uh, Tatsuya Nakeda is another one of my favorite actors. He's great as the villain, Unosuke, the gun-toting samurai. Yeah. Um, you have, like, and, like, just all the side characters. Like, yeah, there, there's so many different characters, but they all have, like, their little uh, uh, idiosyncrasies. They're they're cool, like, and they yeah. don't, they're, they're distinct. They, they don't feel like carbon copies, like, oh, yeah, I can't tell between this person and that person and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, even, even their like henchmen seem different. Exactly. It's, it's, it's just, uh, it's so good. The, the I can actually are... see, like I mentioned Metal Gear before, just as like a, a joke, but I can actually see, you know, the director of Metal Gear being influenced by these films as well, being yeah. a Japanese kid. Of course. And like why his, mo- like why the Metal Gear games are so, like they have all these different characters. That are so Hideo Kojima definitely watched this yeah. film and he yeah. he was a Kaya Kurosawa fan. I guarantee. And in, in, a, in a way, he was sort of the Kurosawa of uh, Japanese video games. Like he was a real story. The story is very, right, right. To, yeah, two video games in an early era where nobody was really trying to do that. With, and he brought this cinematic quality to it. Hell yeah, he was. So yeah, like I said, the uh, every like, I love the cinematography is brilliant. Like all the shots are are great. Uh, I can't do anything but give this as say this is an instant classic. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I I've seen it probably twenty times now. It's I, really? I love it. I can see that. Yeah. All right, uh, John. 
how about you? You're you're uh, you're new to this. Uh, how did you? What did you think of your first viewing of uh, Yojimbo? Yeah, let me grab my. How you rate it? So Yojimbo, the J is silent. It's like the Django. <laughs> I would one thousand percent give this. This is my notes. Uh, <clears throat> this is a buy it. Oh, and okay. I would say the more the more that you watch it, I could understand the idea of it being a classic. Okay, you know, something something for me. It's just it's it's you know brand new to me. It was amazing. I enjoyed it. And, you know, we it's no surprise we've talked about this for, uh, you know, an hour and a half now at this point about how how good, uh, you know, how beautifully shot it is. And, you know, the influences that we're sure that it had on. So you you could very easily make an argument for for classic without a doubt. Okay, Uh, I really love the characters. I think that's one of the the strengths of the movie. It was it was a little hard to follow uh, in the beginning just because uh, I just how much it kind of gets thrown at you. Um, but the dynamics between the characters and, and just the variety of it, it felt really authentic and original. And I think that's, I mean, that's everything that you want and, and, and whatever the fuck it is that you're doing, you want, you want your, your art to be authentic and original. And that to me, that's, that's exactly what it did uh and i am excited to check out some, some of these other films don't have a whole lot of negative to say about this you want that originality yeah that that, uh, that was what i was going to ask you did it make you want to watch more kurosawa or like mifune films yeah oh absolutely i mean i'm it already did. excited to, to to check out some of this i mean this character is just dude sanjaro is just he's just got the fucking most ridiculous quotes like this guy's such a beast dude I'll get paid for killing, and this town is full of people who deserve to die. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, That's one of my favorite line. quotes of the film. Dude. Great line. So you'll be happy to know there is a sequel to this film, uh, John. Fuck yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, Sanjiro 2, Electric Boogaloo, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but yeah, it, is titled, it, is, it, it actually literally is titled Sanjiro. Yeah. Uh, okay. this is, so it, it came out the very next year. And it was going to, so Kurosawa was doing a different film or he was uh, adapting from like a different story, but Yojimbo was so popular and he's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to adapt it. So we have like a sequel to Yojimbo and we get like, uh, we get it in uh, Sandro, which is uh, also uh, to me is equally as good as Yojimbo. Okay. I'll have to check it out based on that. Yeah. That statement right there. Cause I was impressed with this film. Yeah. Uh, Surprise! It's a little bit more comedic than Yojimbo. Like it, de- it definitely delves into a little bit more of the the black comedy. But uh-huh. it's so good. Like the 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 scenes are iconic, and you get like the the crazy smartness of the character that we see. And in- because that was something I asked you too. I was like, this character is very interesting, and I would just love to know like the prequels or sequels. Like because there's so much to this character of him wandering around and interacting. With- he's like a Mad Max, right? So, yeah. Like, oh, that's a know, good. He's- yeah, That's- so like he he has his own little stories, his like little tiny stories that are based around where he's touched down, and then like he moves on. So like you could tell this story in any time frame. You could say it happened before the Jimbo. You could say it happened after. You know what I mean? Like based, I don't know what happens after to him, but yeah, um, but, but yeah, uh, show him like coming up as a young samurai, like why he is the yeah. And there's also another um in a, another one of my favorite franchises, uh, the the Zatoichi franchise. There is a Zatoichi uh, meets Yojimbo, and Toshimafune plays Yojimbo, Sandro, in that in that uh, in that film as well. 
and it's not he doesn't play it's the same character but it's kind of like how with like the uh the, the new spider-man with tom holland where they they can't quite use everything from the spider-man franchise because it's owned by sony okay, so it's so kind of like 70 gonna... it's like 70 percent of sandro yeah yeah he's a different and toe is very particular about yeah because yeah. doing anything with their property yeah, because Zatoichi is not a Toho property. It is uh, something. Okay, it's another it's another production. Uh, if I will, uh, if I could, I would like to just give my review quick. Um, yeah, I was I was impressed by this film. I think the cinematography is excellent. I thought the sound design, the it was really good. There's moments with the rain, the cling of the swords, just little things, little moments that I just thought like. I didn't anticipate them being as well as they were, uh, being that's an older film. I know it's only 61, but 61 is so pretty old. And that's where it's 60, it was like it's 60 really years old. It's I, like, 60, I feel like 62. film was starting to really find its 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 like flavor at that point in history. Like there are other films before that where like have paved the way, but like I feel like the 60s was a, a key moment for like some really big films that came, like something like this or Psycho. There's a lot of modern filmmakers at that time. What, what, I don't even know if they're seen as modern nowadays, but like. Then they were super modern and they were doing yeah. different things, different techniques and kind of paving the way. And Kurosawa is one of them. Um, I, can, I can see why some of my favorite filmmakers of now, having never seen a Kurosawa film, I could see like the building blocks or the cinematic archaeology. If like, I could see like, oh, shit, I could see Tarantino having borrowed from this already just from watching this one film. Just the way dialogue plays out, the way oh. scenes play out, um, the way the characters are developed and how they interact with it. And they don't divulge everything about themselves, but there's enough that you, there's so many characters, but they're so distinct and different that like you pick up on like, oh, this is this guy's thing. And this guy's that. And you don't really mistake them after a while, even though there's a lot of them um, without a chart, like you could still figure out who's who. Basically. The music, like we mentioned, the soundtrack, I just thought the music really hit me. Um, there's like a t- it, it adds to like a, the tenseness and the weight of a lot of the scenes. It's the dramatic weight of the scenes plays even better. I feel like because of the the soundtrack, it's just the, there's moments of of music that are just played perfectly um, with the scene and what's going on. And that kind of leads into my other thing is like the weight of the acting just like moves scene by scene. Whether it's a bit character, a henchman, or like our main hero, Sanjuro. The tavern owner, like everybody gets a little moment to shine and they're all really good, man. Even the tiny little like even the fucking unibrow guy, even that guy sells his fucking character like he's despicable. Like he's a yes man. He's despicable. He's fucking whatever. But also he's like deranged enough that like he'll kill an innocent woman. You know, we see that like he he will get his hands dirty. So and all these characters are just really like interesting to me. And I think the acting in all the roles uh, hits the mark almost all the time. The set pieces in this are really good, really good. The in- From interior sets to the outdoor locations, I thought they all shine. Uh, I know they're all black and white, but man, they're lit perfectly. And the black and white, they use the black and white. They use the darkness in this. There's moments, where, like I said, with that sneaky guy who comes into town. And, you know, like the way he sneaks into that courtyard and like yep. kind of comes in the scene. The way the scenes are shot and framed, like it's all just masterfully done. Like Kurosawa has a vision. You can just tell like. Uh, it's like he's got storyboards in his head of what this film is going to look like, and he just on the camera. But he he does he does actually he uh so Kurosawa is actually a great artist too, and so he oh, would so he do storyboards. So he would do all this. He did all the storyboards himself. Yeah. Like this is how I want it to look. Yeah, I dig that. Uh, I I have some cons, but they're just like sort of small. Honestly, it's like it's like when I when you when you come across a really good film, you kind of lo- you're trying to look for some cons because you're like I just want to be want to be able to say something. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. But nothing's perfect, right? So there's got to be a floor too. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then sometimes you feel like you're reaching because you're like, just get the thing at 10. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. But like, so like, I don't know that I, I don't know that I love the silence of the sword fight in the very end. There's a silence to it where he dispatches like a bunch of people and there, there is no sword clashing or slicing effects. And granted, I, like fighting back, right. so like he gets to them before they can pull their sword. So you won't hear a clash, but there's no like, you know, like kind, I mean? of the, the, like kind of the kind of silent because that's how like he's moving in silence. So I get it. Like I get why yeah. they probably went that way. Yeah. But there was moments earlier where he does clang swords and make a swish sound, which I kind of just like. I like the extra foley work. Like I kind of like when scenes have that a little bit of effect for it. Um, I would have kind of liked to see how the scene played out with the effects. But I get I get why they went silent too. It was just it was like yeah. the monumental end, and he just kind of like silently moves from victim to victim and i kind of yeah. was a little bit it was more an artistic choice weight. that like maybe yeah. it doesn't work for some people i i could see that yeah and just for me i kind of it, it just left me wanting a little bit from i'm just sort of like but the scene was great you know and i feel kind of stupid being like i'm i'm gonna criticize this master fucking film and come in and be like we should put some sound in there bro yeah i did the like even if you just heard his feet like sure yeah. you know what i mean there was nothing and it just felt a little dead. The scene kind of played a little dead in a sense where it could have had some more life. But I understand the whole silent motion thing where it's like it's playing out so quickly that we don't have a moment to really hear the sound. It just happens. And, then, you know, when it's done, it's like cling. And then, like, everybody's dead. They all fall on the ground. So, I, you know, I get it. There's a little and I, I will say that this film is a little long and the pacing isn't exactly brisk. But there's a lot to there's a lot of moving parts to the story. And it takes a while to get going. And so my advice would just just be patient with it. And I will say that it does pay off to be patient with them because uh, it may not be your cup of tea off the bat, but give it a chance. And I think you're going to walk away, uh, you know, enthused and possibly a fan of this uh, genre. So with that said, for me, I'm going to give Kurosawa's Jimbo from 1961. I'm going to give it an instant classic. Yeah, I would would buy it. But in my eyes, I got I know it's a classic. And now I see why it's a classic. Yep. Like I understand. I get it. Why yeah. it's so like for me, I'm just going to say like, I really can't say much. It, it impressed me, man. It's a yeah. 1961 film and it's going to be up there on one of the films that like at the end of the year, when I think about all the stuff I've seen this year, a film from 1961 is going to stand out amongst, you know, newer films that I'm going to see this year, like Dune 2. Part yeah, two. That's, a, that's, that's a great way to put it, Berg. It really is. I, I didn't even think about it like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so I mean that's why I'm going to give it an instant classic, even if maybe it's not like, off the bat to me going to be in it. Like I can see it is an instant classic. I can yeah. tell it's earned that. Right. People are going to be talking about this film 60 years from now. I watch a lot of film, but like there's gaps and I feel like moments like this are going to fill in the gaps where I can see where the influence comes from. Some of the, the modern filmmakers that I love, really? you know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh, I can see now I could see the building blocks of like a scene from another movie that I've seen 20. And I can be like, oh, okay, this guy was kind of remaking that moment in in a Kurosawa film where the two guys see each other in a hallway, like whatever, like, you know, what I'm saying like the camera shots and stuff like that. I can yep. see it. And this guy is definitely like Kurosawa is definitely like you could tell he's a powerhouse as far as directing. Goes. Hell yeah, he is. Oh, I was my God. super impressed for a 1961 film like this film is fucking cinematic as fuck. I dig it. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys like this. I, I was a little concerned because. You know, the films I, I, I've been choosing, you know, they're nerd alert. They're, no, they're older. They're, you know, it's it. They're 
Well, Rob, I was a little concerned too. I'm not gonna. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but the fact that like you guys enjoyed it so much, I'm like, I'm really happy about that because yeah. uh, this, like I said, this is one of my favorite films of all time. It's so it, to me, it's. I'm glad you shared it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really happy to share that with you guys. I'm happy to share it with the audience. Like I, I'm, I'm hoping that people that are listening to us have never seen Yojimbo before, and uh, they're it's causing them to go watch it for the very first time. That's my hope. That's what this podcast is about. And yep. you know, like I said, I, I only saw this movie like four years ago and it just blew my fucking mind. And I was like, this awesome. is this is awesome. This is and the 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 film that uh copied this, uh Fistful of Dollars, I actually saw that first. And when I saw this, it was like, oh my god, they they stole it. You know, it's like this is it was a, a film that I love. They stole it from this film. It's like this is the same goddamn thing. It's like so uh it's kind of kind of crazy in that but uh what are we going to be watching next time uh hydroberg it's your pick and next week it's my pick yeah next week's my pick and we're going to be covering uh copland it's uh james mangold's copland oh another stallone flick it is another stallone flick i i'll be honest i didn't i didn't plan that uh, I don't want people to think like I'm just like the Stallone guy. <laughs> the Italian pick is Rambo. Also, it's a and very then, different uh, Stallone flick. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll say that. And then uh, yeah, and then we're doing uh, Demolition Man, and then we're going to be doing Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Okay. There's no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, Copland was just one that we've talked about. You hadn't seen it, Rob? I believe. John, yeah, I seen hadn't it? seen it before. Okay, I haven't seen it yeah. either. Um. So that's that's one thing that we established with the show is that we're trying at least one of or or two of us haven't seen the film and we're putting each other on to something new, which we did yeah. tonight. And yeah. uh, that's that's I think what that's the magic of like film of you know movies in general. Like, absolutely. They're good. They're, good. they're medicine. You could they could take you away for a moment. They can make you feel better. They can make you feel emotion, whatever. But also recommending something to somebody and having that camaraderie of say, hey, I really enjoyed that thing that you and. Yeah then talking about it that water cooler moment that's what we're trying to capture you know that's over time i think that's we're gonna introduce each other to some pretty interesting uh films absolutely so yeah, yeah we next week is copland i don't know where you can find it streaming to be honest i didn't do my it's homework. on uh i believe it's on hbo there's no such thing as hbo anymore it's just cool oh, max. Christ. Max. 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 max my dog's probably going crazy in the other room because he hears me calling him <laughs> dog, yeah i believe it's on max I recommend it. Um, I would not listen to our conversation on it until you've watched it. It's uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I can't. I can't wait to uh, dig into that one like we did tonight. Uh, yeah. Heidelberg, where where can we find you, buddy? Oh, uh, uh, thank you, Rob, for asking. Uh, you can find me. I have another podcast. It's called A Cut Above Horror Review. We are a horror movie review show where me, John, and Jacqueline, the three of us, rate and review horror movies. Uh, you can find us on all the podcatchers, wherever you find your podcast. You can find us on Instagram at a cut above dot horror underscore review and on Twitter at cut above horror. What about you, Rob? Oh, me. Uh, you can find me with my other podcast. I also do another one. Uh, it's called Circle of Jerks. You can find us on YouTube, Circle of Jerks podcast. Uh, we are at Twitter at podcast COJ and Instagram is Circle of Jerks podcast. Uh, John, where can the, where can the people find you, buddy? Oh, me? Well, I'll tell you where. <clears throat> Twitch.television slash kinetic underscore onslaught, O-N-S-L-O-T. Play old retro video games. I do not have another podcast unlike these guys. 
so Tuesday, Thursday, I just sit around talking shit to people playing playing NES games. Right now, we are in Battle Kid Two: Mountain of Torment. It is a oh, homebrew. Who uh, has time for another podcast when you're playing Battle Kid Two? Yeah, we're, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's a it's a hell of a game. Come on by, we're having a good time. Uh, all Where my socials. Based? What is it? Where is that game on? Like, what is the game originally on? NES. Yes. It was okay. uh, it was a uh, homebrew. Homebrew is like basically what because the game came out in 2012. I want to say 2012, and then the the sequel came out in 2016. Um, but they were all produced and made on. Oh, so N- it's created like it's on the NES. But it's right, not a- right. Okay, and okay. it it got a physical release. Like it got the cart like a cart. That's uh, awesome. Dude, it's like a Mega Man, uh, Mega Man clone with Metroidvania nice. shit. Hell yeah. Um, all my social medias are all kinetic uh, underscore onslaught spelled the same way. That's great. Uh, and if you love us, uh, the Cinemigos, uh, where can they find us for Cinemigos, Heidelberg? On Instagram, you can find us at Cinemigos, one word, underscore podcast. And on Twitter, we are at, at Trace Cinemigos, T-R-E-S, Cinemigos. And you can find us on any podcatcher. Exactly. Uh, and remember, people. We hate pathetic weaklings. Start crying and we'll kill you. Hey, your badges. Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs>